changing over there. There's a storm coming, Ari. Just like last time. Magic is pleased to announce the appointment of Dolores Jane Umbridge as High Inquisitor to address the falling standards at Hogwarts School. Things at Hogwarts are far worse than I feared. You have been told that a certain dark wizard is at large. This is a lie. It's not a lie. I saw it. We've got to be able to defend ourselves. And if Umbridge refuses to teach us how, we need someone who will. Every great wizard in history has started out as nothing more than what we are now. If they can do it, why not us? It's sort of exciting, isn't it? Stupefy! Breaking the rules. Who are you and what have you done with Hermione Granger? You're a really good teacher, Harry. Ministers gonna have a full uprising on their hands. It's your turn now. Discipline your line. We're in this together. If Voldemort's building up an army, then I want to fight. Look at me! This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast... All the galaxies, all for you. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC, as you heard in our brand new intro. Hope you guys have been enjoying that. We have been, and uh, we got another awesome episode for you guys tonight. Another one. Can you believe it? And we're going to be revisiting something I think you guys have been looking forward to for quite a while. It's something we—it's kind of an ongoing arc this year. And uh, yeah, we're coming back to it. I think uh, I've been itching to get back to this thing. And uh, we've got someone else with us to discuss it. And I think once you hear his voice, you'll know all. You'll, you'll, the jig will be up. But first, introductions are in order if you're new to the show my name is Ben, and joining me, as he always does, is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Zach, what's going on? IPC! 
I swear, that's probably like my favorite part of the whole intro. Who is that? Who is that? Do you know? I think it's our friend Jeremy Dove. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I believe he was like being facetious and just kind of like randomly sent that just to kind of mess with us. And then I did it. Like I went ahead and put it in anyway, just to mess with him, and it became like just this iconic thing where somebody's just in the middle of the of the intro yelling our our acronym, IPC. Like it's perfect. I don't know. It's it's hilarious. But I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to be continuing this discussion arc. It's kind of got a little bit of a firefly feel to it, where mm-hmm. when we, we we just when you think we're we're finished talking about it, oh, here's another episode talking about it. So. Um, I'm excited to be revisiting the Harry Potter universe with you tonight, but uh, we've got a resident Potter fan that we just cannot have discussions like these without. So back again for more visits to Hogwarts and beyond. It's the co-host of the SWU, the co-host of Watchers of Westeros, Clone Wars Strikes Back, and a who knows what else? It's Mr. Dominic Jones. <laughs> Thank you so much, Zach. I love that intro. All of my all my different shows, all the ones that uh, have regular episodes, the ones that have semi-regular episodes, and the ones that haven't had an episode in about a year. So th- <laughs> thank you so much. It's, uh, it's... Hey, I've been watching Westeros myself. Mm. I have been binging through the series again. I recently bought the entire thing on Ooh, Blu-ray. Nice. Because they had the first four seasons on sale for like $20 a piece or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then I decided I was going to be obsessive and get the other three seasons <laughs> at regular price. Nice. And so I now have all seven seasons on Blu-ray and it only cost me like, I don't know, 250 bucks or something like that. Okay. That's uh, that's all right. That's not uh, that's not too, too bad. It's, it's, it's a decent price, but considering it's like one of my favorite TV series ever, mm. I'm just glad to have it, and yeah. uh, it's helping helping me stay fresh in uh, anticipation for what's to come next year. So yeah, I'm I'm so excited. Every mm-hmm. time we get just any little bit of news about Game of Thrones and what's going on, I I get like just so excited. Even if it's just something something really silly, like like an interview with Amelia Clark or or um, Kit Harrington, where they're just like, yeah, it was fun. I'm like, I know it was fun. It's so exciting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's fun just watching the interview. I know. Um, and and like how much like no matter how you may feel about solo how much fun were all those amelia clark interviews while she was promoting that movie like that was great watching her try to do wookie watching her try to do a wookie impression was was uh, fantastic and i say that as somebody who can't do a wookie impression either so it was very relatable all i can do all i can do is groan and roll my tongue at the same time and if you want to call that a wookie impression more power to you yeah yeah sometimes i feel like i can kind of do that but other times i try to do that and i just sort of go and it doesn't work Hey, with a lot of auto-tune, that actually could sound like a Wookiee call. Hey, maybe, maybe. Somebody who's uh, talented in auto-tune needs to, to work on that. But yeah, you know, I, I you having all the all the seasons on, on Blu-ray, that actually puts you ahead of me, because I've only got seasons one to three. Uh, when we started Watchers of Westeros, uh, and when Kieran and I were starting the podcast, I got so excited, and I went out and bought the first three seasons like that week, and I threw down... A lot of money. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember how much it was. It was a lot, uh, just on the first three seasons on Blu-ray, and, and since worth then, it, man. yeah, oh, so worth it. And uh, I, um, I keep meaning to get the rest of them. Uh, I just sort of keep holding off because my my cable pa- package has HBO, uh, not HBO Go, oh. but it's it's in Canada, so I get a little bit of HBO on demand, so I can get those uh, those past seasons. But even you know, even watching the HD streaming versus a blu-ray 
man, Blu-ray is just gorgeous. Like I was rewatching, <laughs> was rewatching some episodes from season one with the commentaries last week. Oh, they're oh. just beautiful. They're beautiful. And like, they're, uh, like the, I was watching the commentary for the pilot with uh, David and Dan, and they were talking about how there's parts that are shot on film and there's parts that are shot digitally. And I know this will upset a lot of pu- film purists, but man, those digital shots, gorgeous. They look really, really good. The film stuff looks great too, but those digital shots are something special. And man, yeah. bring on, bring it's got on cinematic quality season. all over the place. And I wish our episode was about, about <laughs> Game of Thrones because I could go on so many different Game of Thrones tangents. Like, I want to get your thoughts on like some of your favorite episodes yeah. and like your favorite season out of the seven, things like that. But we've got we've got other things we need to talk about tonight. We're we're in the Harry Potter universe mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> tonight. But it's so confusing because I watched the episode that we were supposed to talk about. Uh, Order of the Phoenix is what mm-hmm. we're covering tonight. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I watched Order of the Phoenix on Thursday, I believe. And then Friday, that's today, I got started on season seven. Mm. Okay. And oh my God, those first three or four episodes of season, season seven are so breathtaking yeah. that it's almost like I have to go back and like fix my palette again. Cause I mm. don't have anything against Harry Potter, but like you, you definitely notice the discrepancy in cinematic quality between the two of them. I'll just lead with that. Like, sure. Oh my gosh. And it, different it, it animals. Does, yes, it, they, they are different animals and I'm not trying to compare apples to oranges here. I'm just saying those are the two things that are like the most fresh on my mind. But if I'm looking at the the story that comes out of Order of the Phoenix versus watching episode four of season seven, where Drogon just annihilates everybody at Highgarden, <laughs> I just like that's what my mind is drawn to right now. And it's so hard trying to refocus. Yeah. So, well, and I'm going to need you to keep me on the straight and narrow tonight. Don't well, I'm make sure. any dragon references from here on out well, I'm I, done with it I, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry I'm sorry Zach I just have to say real quick those first three episodes of season seven are like I'm with you those are the best episodes in that season I, at least that's that's my opinion I, I'm with you that they're they're gorgeous and fantastic but I think I, I have some mixed feelings about season seven and you and I will have to discuss this at a later date either on this show yes. or on Watchers of Westeros some maybe maybe even some kind of crossover um but I think this is the same. I think this is the type of content we would need on an episode of RIPC. So may, I think we just have. I think we just came up with our with our content for I, a couple of weeks from now. I, I think so. But like, I'll just say real quick. I got some mixed feelings about season seven, but those mm-hmm. first three episodes, man, oh, they are top notch. Top notch. Oh, <sighs> okay. Harry before Potter. We, <laughs> Harry before Potter. we dive too before we dive too deep into Westeros or dive too deep into Hogwarts, let's get some of the news taken care of out of the way because we do uh-huh. have some stuff that we need to uh, to talk about. It's uh, it's official now. Uh, it's been rumored and people have been talking about it on the internet ever since they uh, announced the dismissal of James Gunn. But Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is now officially on hold, and uh, I, I personally just have kind of mixed feelings about this so i'm I'm curious what uh what you guys' thoughts are on it yeah it's well i mean it's it, i think this was kind of coming saw this coming and for those of yeah. you who are unaware yeah james gunn was fired as a whole big deal go look it up we won't we were not gonna address that tonight but you know i kind of have some strong feelings about that but like you know it it seems about right for this. Like, you know, they fire the director. They don't even know if they're going to use this script or not. Like, so, you know, it makes sense to think, but what the interesting thing that I want to point out with this 
is that, uh, you know, a lot of the cast has been pretty supportive of James Gunn, like very supportive. Like they even released an open letter in yeah. support of him. Um, didn't, you know, of course, going after the stuff that he tweeted, but saying, you know, hey, look, we believe this guy's a good guy. And that that spoke volumes to me about like the con- the character of James Gunn and how much they love this guy. And the most vocal critic of Disney slash supporter of James Gunn has been Dave Bautista, of course, mm-hmm. Drax the Destroyer. And uh, and when I say critic of Disney, he's been very vocal on Twitter. He has let loose on them in several different occasions. And I think he knows he may have gone a bit too far <laughs> because – there's this quote that I dug up where he's talking about I, – I don't have the audio. I don't even know if this was like a, a video interview, but I'll read you the quote really quick and, and, and see see for ourselves. But he Do says, it in your best Dave Bautista voice. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> you Dave Bautista. Oh, boy. Yes! Kind of, it's kind of strange. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. It's kind of strange. It's a kind of a strange situation to be in now. We've lost our director for Guardians. Guardians 3 is really up in the air. I don't know what they're really going to do with it. It's on permanent hold for now. They may That may make a difference in what they do with our characters in Avengers 4. To be honest with you right now, I really don't know. But I know I'm in Avengers 4. I've shot most of it already. I do have two days of reshoots. But other than that, I have some really great scenes that I hope they use. But I guess that remains to be seen, That what they'll do with our characters. So... If I'm reading this right, Dave Bautista is insinuating that they're going to edit him and whoever else that supported James Gunn out of Avengers 4 because of what happened. That's, I mean, and this is something that I floated a while back when when this first started. I'm like, these guys, you know, they're showing their support for James Gunn, and that's great. But, like, they're kind of putting their necks on the line for this guy because, I mean— Drax is dead. Spoiler alert in Infinity War. Like, so like I don't think of, they will. Them. Yeah. Yeah. They, they yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you I don't know. Like, I don't think they'll do that, but I just think it's funny that Dave Batista is thinking this. That perhaps they'll just call it quits for Drax and because you know he's not been too kind to them after what happened so I don't know I don't like I said I don't think this is going to happen but I just love this quote yeah it, it it's a it's a very complicated situation and I still honestly don't know really know how I feel about what went down all I know is that I feel dirty about all of it about yeah. the way it came out what it's about and everything and how it was handled. It, nothing, nothing about it feels right. It feels if there was a wrong way to do everything, that was it. Um, I'm not necessarily arguing with the conclusions and I'm not necessarily agreeing with the conclusions either. I'm just sort of saying it, the process all felt wrong. Yeah. Uh, what I'm curious about in terms of what you're bringing up with uh, Batista there, Ben, is has Dave seen his script pages for Avengers 4, for these reshoots that he's doing. And mm-hmm. is is this a situation where he could, he, he's just kind of speculating openly, speculating wildly about things that they could, changes that they could make, whether or not the Russos and um, the, the two writers whose names I'm blanking on, uh, whether or not they want to bring in the, whether they want to make changes. The other thing is, 
you know, Dave's been very vocal, like you said. And one of the things he said is, I'll do Avengers 3 because I have a contract, but that's about it. I, if, if James is not involved, I'm not involved outside of my legal obligations. Maybe he had his representatives go to Disney and say, look, we want out. Can we find a can we find a, a way out? Is there a buyout option? Is there a is there a, a way we can break this contract? And maybe Disney thought, well, you know what, if, if these guys don't want to do it, if their heart's not in it, then then we're apt to make a bad movie. And so let's only work with people who actually want to work with us. And so maybe maybe that's possible that they would write these characters out. Um for the integrity of Avengers Four, I would hope that they that they don't make changes because of of what happened in in our world. But I also kind of wonder, um, even if we get a Guardians Three, you know, maybe maybe you know, like the team that is the Guardians of the Galaxy has changed over the years in the comics. So maybe Guardians of the Galaxy can become almost like Star Wars in the sense that it, you know, okay the original trilogy is about Luke Han and Leia, but we also have Rogue One and we have uh, the prequels and the sequels that are about different characters. And we're going to have other trilogies and, and things that deal with other aspects of the universe. We have rebels that, that tell different stories just set within this universe. Maybe guardians of the galaxy becomes more of a, 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 a macro brand for Marvel space adventures. Yeah. Well, Zach, what do you think about this? I'm kind of along the similar thread to, to Dominic. Um, I, I I want to see the Guardians return. They're probably one of my favorite aspects of the MCU right now uh-huh. because they're just so out there, so separate and so different. You get to see those kinds of spacefaring adventures that you usually don't get from planet Earth. I mean, the closest mm-hmm. thing we got was Thor Ragnarok, and then Thor ended up teaming up with the avengers in infinity war so i mean it was just kind of a natural progression that that would be where you kind of bridge the gap i've seen this sub thread that's uh, been discussing guardians 3 and just saying let's bring up let's bring up the timetable on thor 4 Mm because thor 3 was so successful and try and integrate the guardians of the galaxy into thor's fourth story they've already got some chemistry established they've already got some rapport built Let's carry that momentum and let Taika Waititi direct another spacefaring adventure with the son of Odin along with the Guardians of the Galaxy. If there was ever to be a happy medium, I think that might be it. Yeah, I, I and, think that would be a cool yeah. idea. I mean, Thor Ragnarok has a lot of of elements that are similar to Guardians. And I don't mean that in like a, a copying way or in a way where Marvel went, well, that worked, so let's just do that again. I think... Um, I, I think the success of Guardians led them to sort of realize, oh, we can let directors do their thing. And so they went to Taika and he created Ragnarok and they're like, all right, we, we're we confident in you as a, as a director. So you're going to make make this movie. And it, and it succeeded. Uh, it did very well. And, and I think you're right, Zach. It would the way the direction they've gone with Thor makes a lot of sense that you could really incorporate some similar elements and uh, and make combine the two and create something even more even even better and i think like at this point they they i think regardless of your thoughts on like just totally subjective here like disney's in a situation where they're kind of between a rock and a hard place like they made their decision and 
as much as I personally would say they probably should just hire rehire James Gunn and call it quits. I think they're in a position now where they really can't do that. And mm. they're like, well, we've made this decision. It would be, you know, breaking, you know, the mold to actually try to undo what we did. It would be admitting a failure or whatever. Like that's a big <laughs> PR move for them. So like I understand why they're not thinking. I understand why they fired them in the first place. Like they have every right to do it. But I think now they're in a position where I think a lot of people are like I want James Gunn back. I'm not sure about Guardians 3 or whatever like this. And they had the script, and they have the actors literally talking to them and not saying kind things. So now I think is the good time to just go, okay, forget about Guardians 3. Just let it sit there for a while. And then, as Zach is saying, I totally love the idea of doing 4-4 with 4-4. That's, they'll have to think come up with another name. 4 4 for me, please. 4-4 four, four with Guardians. Um, but do... Thor, do a Thor sequel. Ragnarok was hugely successful. People would be totally on board with that and get the Guardians in there and build on that relationship that was established in Avengers 3. So I think that works. And that way you can use the Guardians. I mean, and the MCU is all about crossovers. So, yeah. like, why not just do Thor, get the Guardians in there, have them part of it, get Captain Marvel or whatever because she's supposed to be a cosmic hero? Like, do that. And, you know, that would be interesting to go forward, and that way you can set the Guardians in the back burner, let them sit there for a while, let, let people kind of forget about what happened so that they can bring them back later, but also have Thor in the for- forefront and have all those great relationships show up on screen again. From, a, from like a story possibility point, what if, you know, after Avengers 4, we don't see the Guardians together again. They almost sort of scatter and they pop up. We'll have individual or, or pairs of the Guardians start popping up in other MCU movies that, that deal with the cosmic side of things. And then you, you really, you know, maybe you make Guardians 3 be something that's kind of uh, not quite uh, the culmination of the next phase, but is almost sort of a... Something along the lines of what uh, Captain America Civil War was, where it's a big, it's not the culmination of a phase, but it's mm-hmm. a big sort of moment in it that uh, where the, those all the all the Guardians come back together and maybe you bring in some of the characters from the other movies. And, and you know, so maybe you don't need all five or six Guardians or however many there are at this point in, in Thor 4. Um, Thor the fourth? Uh, no, that doesn't work either. Um, um, Thor IV. Uh, and uh, <laughs> if, if maybe you don't need them, all of them in that movie, but maybe you put Star-Lord and Groot in it for some reason. And then you have Gamora show up in, in Cap, uh, Captain Marvel 2. And um, who knows, maybe Doctor Strange deals with a little bit of cosmic stuff. And that's where Drax shows up if they can throw enough money at Batista. Um, you, you know, there's there's uh, there's other ways they can do this without doing guardians of the galaxy three immediately and i i think maybe i i think they recognize that no matter what the correct out, outcome of this situation with james gunn should have been they handled it so badly that they shouldn't be doing a guardians of the galaxy three at this moment in time and that they need to yeah. delay it and and let the marvel cinematic universe move on without having that guardians film in it even if you keep the guardians characters going almost like what they do with the hulk where there, we haven't had a Hulk movie in 10 years. It's been Thank a decade. God. And uh, the Hulk has shown up in three or four other movies. You get Banner popping up here and there. And maybe that's what happens with Star-Lord and Gamora and Rocket and Groot and 
uh, Drax and Mantis and, and and all these characters they they show up in other movies here and there and then maybe that builds to something maybe it doesn't I, I don't know I'm just or I mean you, and you, there's here. also the possibility that the Avengers films from here on out could be more cosmic in nature and you could have the Guardians of the Galaxy or some of the members or whoever the surviving members are joining the Avengers and the the Guardian story kind of moves on in those films um there's there's tons of possibilities here we're we just named like 10 of them right here like you know like <laughs> yeah. there's plenty of plenty of great ideas out there they just have to come up with them and i think the best option is to you know and bring like you're saying bring guardians back in a few years because they can leave it alone and then the hype's gonna be that much more and doing the idea of what you're saying is like separating them out and then like oh it's finally they have the new guardians are back in a in Guardians three in you know twenty thirty something or whatever like <laughs> several years down the well, road I mean, I mean, maybe twenty thirty is a bit far but maybe twenty twenty three twenty twenty four which doesn't seem yeah. like a real year I'm sorry that's not no, a real doesn't. year that's not happening <laughs> no, no we're bringing not. back the Roaring Twenties people yeah that's yeah gonna be, in a few years we will be living in the twenties that's so we weird. Are. So I'm, I'm totally I'm totally down for that. Not going <laughs> to lie. Look, we are bringing back that. We're bringing back the music. We're bringing back the <laughs> styles. Everything. Bringing Roaring back, 20s bringing, all over again. Bringing back the economy. No, wait. No, we don't want to do that. That's a bad idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, 2029 is bound to be a lot better than its predecessor. One would hope. One would hope. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, by then we should have uh, a new regime of leadership at the helm anyways. So One would hope. We'll, 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 we'll see. We'll see what happens, but that's as political as we're going to get on this show. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's let's go to our, our next point. We've gotten some more details on the uh, soon to arrive Disney streaming service, of which mm-hmm. I'm still got mixed feelings on this as well. But uh, we've gotten confirmation of what the name is not going to be. <laughs> we've well, gotten helpful. some idea of when we can expect it. And we're also kind of under the impression that it's going to cost around what Netflix usually costs in the States, maybe a little bit less, depending on how advanced you want your service to be. So I, I, want, I want to get you guys' thoughts on mostly the, the launch date of, of late 2019 and, uh, and the cost that is estimated at 8 to $14. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Uh, well, for me, I, I sort of feel about this the way I do most sort of Disney exclusive things, or like the same way I feel about like D twenty three. I I care about it for Star Wars. I um, and uh, everything else is kind of it's nice, but it's not what I'm not what I'm looking for there. And the fact that we're we're going to see both the the return of the Clone Wars on this and the return or not the return of but the debut of of John Favreau's live action series on that um for me at least for at least at the beginning that's worth the uh the 8 to 14 dollars i i suspect it'll be closer to 8 than 14 just cuz i keep hearing bob iger say things like uh, that they want it to be just a little bit less than Netflix because they recognize that they're going to have less content than ne- Netflix. So hopefully, hopefully it will be around if it, for eight dollars a month to get um, two new Star Wars shows. That's 
that's pretty good with me. I, I, um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm all right with that. I, you know, I, 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 I feel where you're coming from, Zach. I think, uh, when, with the whole, like, you know, we had for a while, we had this dream of like, everything would be on Netflix and we would just need one streaming sort service and it would be glorious. But, uh, unfortunately everybody realized, oh, there's money to be made here. And now we not just, we don't just have Netflix, but we got, uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, you guys have got yeah. Hulu. You guys have got Hulu down there in the states. Uh, HBO Go. Um, I don't know if AMC has their own thing yet. I'm not sure. Uh, we're gonna get this Disney thing. Uh, there's all those YouTube Red series. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I, I personally like I, I, you know, if I can keep myself to like four, I should be fine. So if it's Netflix, Netflix, Amazon, HBO, and Star Wars, well, Disney. Um, I, 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 I'll, 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 I'll take, uh, I'll take. Uh, uh, I'm okay with that because that's probably what you'd be paying for a, a cable package, anyways. So, and then then I guess you maybe have to throw in like a an MLB or an NHL package in there as well. So that, now we're kind of getting into a, a little bit more dicey territory. As yeah, well. yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I, I on the one hand, I'm sort of like. I, I lament sort of the, the 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 dream is gone of the one one stop shop, but on, on the other hand, for me at least, Star Wars is such a such a thing that it, it is the only thing where I would I would throw down the the eight to to fourteen bucks a month for the two shows at least for the first little while, um, and then maybe hopefully I could get them on on Blu-ray and, and cancel my subscription. <laughs> that is assuming they don't make more uh, more seasons. So I don't know. I'm personally, I'm stoked. Like, I, I know, like, it's it's going to be sketchy. I, like, I'm personally, like, I'm only subscribed to Hulu now, and I'll probably drop that, like, before this comes out. So, like, you know, and, uh, like, Disney is one studio that can definitely handle, like, doing that. Mm. And, you know, handling a huge streaming service they've got the content they just got to get it there and i know they're having trouble with licensing and getting all of their content their previous content stuff like there but like just on a yearly basis like how much stuff they put out and they're going to start putting the marvel movies out i think with captain marvel i think is going to be the first one to go should go show up on this streaming service so like i mean starting that out you know that's a pretty big deal you're going to avengers 4 and all this kind of stuff so like going forward is going to be interesting to see like you know what you know what they do with it and what kind of original stuff because that's where netflix has seems to gone like netflix was like hey all this stuff that you like you can just have this like you were saying but then now it's like netflix is just a streaming service that creates its own content they are their own studio and yeah. which is great but it's also like you know you, you can't watch the new avengers movie on there because you know or the new star wars movie you know not not at least in the future so but it'll be cool but disney because i mean let's be honest most of the stuff we're watching these days is either owned by disney or made by disney so you know i i'm cool with that so i uh yeah i i think it's uh it's just gonna be interesting to see like what they do with this yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of on the fence like like you guys there's there's pros and cons to either side to me and and this is this is such a terrible thing to say because of how easily accessible things can be um, through alternative methods, if you will. Yeah. I I I prefer 
not to. If I can support a company and I feel invested in the company, I might not be able to buy a share or a stock or whatever in them, but I can invest with what little college money budget I've got and I'll subscribe just so that they continue to generate income and continue to to generate, you know, content what what little my 10 to 12 dollars may contribute. But here's here's the here's the the bottom line is the bottom line. It's it's yeah. the dollar. The almighty dollar is the thing that's going to be influencing our decisions and we have to decide what it is that we feel is worth investing in for a monthly basis or for a whole year. Like, let's say I wanted to get, I'm not even going to talk about HBO because HBO is just so dang expensive on its own. <laughs> but let's let's say uh, yeah. I'm paying $12 for Netflix right now. And uh, I'm, I'm paying, I think, about 11 for Hulu. And then if you divvy up... Um, what I what I pay per month for Amazon Prime, it's probably closer to ten bucks. And then if you're looking at CBS All Access, so you can get the new Star Trek shows that are out there. That's like six a month, I think. Mm. And uh, I feel like I'm missing something. I've got Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. I'm not even going to do HBO. And then we're looking at the new Disney service. Let's say it's the minimum of eight. That's almost fifty bucks a month in streaming alone. Yeah. Like just so I can sit down at the end of the day and choose one of those applications that I want to pop open and stream something onto my TV. If I wanted to spend 50 bucks a month on movies, I could probably get some pretty decent content or buy the digital download of some pretty decent content. Yeah. Maybe not, maybe not the, the as diverse as something like Netflix's library could be, but I could still be investing in my own personal library instead of, re-upping somebody else's and that's one of the things that i have to consider with this is do i do i really want to be spending almost 50 bucks a month on different streaming packages that like you said dom don't even have a sports package entailed to it you know this week this this uh last week of august first week of september is uh the college football kickoff and in the states college football is big and I, I'm tapping into my my parents' direct TV subscription just so I can watch stuff from home, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like what they're what they're eventually gonna get at, and maybe I'm giving people ideas or maybe they want this to happen, but ever since Netflix came up with the idea for multiple accounts, like multiple profiles on the same account, I've been toying with the idea of just sharing accounts with friends. Oh yeah. I you know I, I know people that that they do that, that that's how they, that's how they swing it. And I heard, I heard just the other day that they're going to, they're going to start like putting the tight tightening on that and not allowing people to do that. Hmm. Share passwords. That's not, that's not going to be, that's that's not going to happen. How can they do that? Like seriously, there's, there's no preventative measures from people sharing their account emails and passwords with each other. Cause like I said, I, I borrow my parents' direct TV account and they borrow my, uh, by borrow my Hulu and mm-hmm. you know someone else borrows my Netflix and uh, I borrow their HBO for a little while so I can watch Game of Thrones when I you know didn't have the subscription didn't when I didn't have all of them on Blu-ray I would just yeah. borrow someone's subscription for a little bit watch it be done with it 
thank them, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, for the, they're already, they're, the best. They're already paying for it. I had a, a great year a couple of years ago where somebody I knew for, I, I literally only knew them for a couple of weeks, but they gave me their NHL center ice password. Ooh. <laughs> I watched so much hockey. It was glorious. And then they canceled it, and I'd lost touch with this person. So. Uh-oh. Oh, gosh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, like, not in, like, a negative way, just in, like, a, you know, you, people go their separate directions. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I I think you're 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 really onto something there, Zach. That you know, it is it is adding up to the point where you know you're almost kind of uh, you're almost going to be at the point where you you need a a um or it's going to be the equivalent of you might as well just get a cable package uh in terms of price, right? Like you know, the the nice thing about Netflix was you could get all that content for. Uh, twelve bucks a month or what? What? It, whatever it is these days, um, and and that led to the whole phenomenon of cord cutting, and now it's sort of like okay, you can cut your cord, great, but then you're you still need your Amazon, your Hulu, your Netflix, your your NHL, your um, NCAA, your NFL, your MLB, your you know whatever, what all those different things, and it, it, it's this sort of. I almost feel like we've almost over we've gone too far in the other direction with so many streaming services that yeah the um availability of things through less than legal means which you know we don't really want to you know promote that necessarily but it's there and we're, we'd be foolish not to talk about it as 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 that is a real alternative that people do turn to and you know they 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 say you know live sports is the only thing that can survive the sort of in the cable in the cord cutting age but Man, you can watch sports online. Uh, you, and, can, and, you, you can and watch it online. You some, they, they're they're signing a new partnership with uh, with YouTube, where I, you can watch I, channels on YouTube. I've been loving. I got to say real quick, I've been loving the MLB Facebook games. Those have been great. One a week, like one a week. I know it's just one a week, but I've been really enjoying those. I I I, I think that that was a that's, smart that's partnership. Also, that was a smart that's partnership also becoming a thing. I think there's collegiate sports that are being played down here in the states that they'll do on Facebook yeah. Live like that. So, but, but and uh, what was it? The WNBA did uh, live streaming on Twitter. This oh, year. nice, nice. So, and the only reason I know that is because I work for the WNBA, <laughs> not because I actively follow it. Hey, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but but I think sooner or later something's going to give where either you're going to be able, you're going to need to be able to get multiple streaming services for a discounted rate. All, if you get them all together or people are going to be turning to these alternative means because uh, if it winds up costing more than it would have to just get a cable package, then really we defeated the purpose of all of these streaming services. Yeah, and, you're, you're like right now, if you want to watch Star Trek Discovery, Game of Thrones, oh dear um, God. Stranger Things, like all those are on separate networks, and you have to pay for all of those. And to pay for all of those streaming services, you may as well have a cable package, like probably the yeah. best cable package there is, or satellite package, or whatever. Yeah. Like, and and that's just totally defeating the purpose of like the dream, which is that you know thing where you just have Netflix and everything one. you want, ever want to watch is on Netflix. But at the same time, I totally get where studios are coming from. Like, they, they Disney s- is n- Disney is not going to say, "Hey, here Netflix, here's more content." No, we've got we can make our own content with our own streaming service and make this work. Like, it's 
Jeez, I mean, it's just yeah. it's just the way I'm, it works. Yeah. The, the the changes in the distribution models for for uh, movies and TV shows fascinate me, and and just where I think we're in such an interesting transitional time that I you know it's impossible to know where it's going. It's impossible to predict where it's going, and I think ultimately what it comes down to in in a sense is like you have to you have to pick what what you most want to support and that's those are the ones you 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 kick the money over to and and so just to tie this all back to what we were saying at the beginning for me personally that's star wars and even though i I don't really give a flying fadoo about the rest of the disney catalog i want more clone wars and i want more seasons of the favreau show hypothetically i mean they could Mm. suck but hypothetically if we just all assume that things work out right then I want more seasons of that. So I, you know, if I have to pick between between um, Star Wars: The Clone Wars and John Favreau's live action Star Wars series, if I have to pick between those and say uh, Sneaky Pete and the Man in the High Castle on Amazon Prime. Sorry, sorry, other things. I'm going with Star Wars. That's what I'm going to support. Uh, which no, is a sh- which is a which is a shame because I I feel very strongly that that we as 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 fans and as a as a as a media media audiences we should be consuming as as much sort of different stuff. We shouldn't get caught in our own bubbles of just only watching our our key fandoms. We should be exploring out and and you know i would hate to lose the ability to watch shows like sneaky pete and the man in the high castle but i also know myself well enough to know that if i have to pick between star wars and anything else uh 99,000 to- 99,999 times out of 100,000 i'm picking i'm picking star wars yeah same so i did the math while you guys were talking and even with all of those subscriptions. Let's say it's the six most popular. Even still, those six those six most popular. If you're subscribed to all six of them, and uh, and, and nothing else, it's still cheaper than a than a cable package. Yeah. So we're we're, and, we're still. <laughs> and at and that then point. here's here's the other thing that I wanted to to toss out there. They didn't pay us to say this, but uh, there's a new thing out there, a relatively new thing out there that I found on my uh, Amazon Fire Stick. You don't even need the device to have the service. You can now watch channels and have a cloud DVR through PlayStation View on your other devices. Nice. And PlayStation View is only 45 to 50 bucks a month. Hmm. So you could get a theoretical television package for 50 a month. And then if you got Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, CBS All Access, the new Disney station, and HBO that those combined come to roughly $62 a month. So if you wanted to get all of those plus PlayStation View, you'd have channels and a DVR along with those top six streaming things for under 120 bucks a month. Interesting. Which is, in the States, actually a pretty good deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> like I I know I know cable packages that just for stations and internet it's more than that. Well, yeah, you know? and, but this also this also you you need internet to get all of these streaming services. So right. we're not able right. to completely so... cut out the cable companies just yet. We're still stuck with no. AT and T. Well, I mean, you 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 <laughs> still you still need a decent. You're right. You do need a, a decent internet plan so you can stream all the things that you want to watch. Yeah. Like if you're if you're streaming PlayStation View, if you're streaming Netflix, if you're streaming HBO, you got to have a decent 
megabits per second in order to enjoy whatever it is you're streaming. So yeah, 112 a month for all those services, not including the internet to watch it on. So I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's 62 a month. If you're, if you're rounding it out for a whole year, your streaming budget is over $700 a year. Whew. Man. When you put it, when you put it no in bad. terms like that, spending over $700 a year just for streaming. Oh man, that hurts my gut just a little bit. It but hurts then, me in the money belt. But just think how much you're, you know, how much you'd be paying for cable. If, you, if we're going to put it in the yearly terms, we should think about that too. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's an expensive. It's an and then expensive you got to watch all that there. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, get, like, right, like then you have to feel like, like you're getting your money hum- it's not yeah. humanly possible to have that much time well, to yeah. watch all that content i mean that's the ultimate sort of um that's that's the ultimate sort of uh bargain you have to make with yourself in life is you know theoretically if you just all you're after is is money 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 then you work non-stop and you never have leisure time and you accumulate all this wealth and then you never get to to use it theoretically Theoretically, I know that that's a, an overly simplistic view of, of the of the world. But, you know, if, if you accumulate all that money and you don't have any time to to watch these shows to you know actually enjoy these streaming services you're paying for, what's the point of paying for them? And so that's the deal you have to make with yourself. That, you know, you have to be OK with not potentially not making as much money as you theoretically could if you actually want to be able to enjoy the benefits of making money. And that that's sort Jeez. of the the ultimate sort of uh that's one of those sort of big philosophical questions of life of how do you go about striking an inappropriate balance? And, and it's tough. I, I, I know people who are, are significantly older than us that, man, they work hard and I don't know if they fully get to, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not saying don't work hard <laughs> or anything like that. And, you know, obviously people have, I think that's what you're implying. Yeah. I think you're saying you just need to get like a giant credit card Yes. And charge all of these streaming services to the credit card, <laughs> never make any payments on it, and stay at home and watch TV all day long. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying embrace the Ferris Bueller lifestyle. And uh... <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking big screen TV, you know, you got all the streaming services, you got Amazon, you got Netflix, and it's all in a cardboard box. <laughs> and there's no furniture. And you're just like, hey, welcome to my crib. Come in and uh, pull the flap down and let's watch some Netflix. And MTV... that puts a whole new spin on Netflix and chill. You're out there in the cold. <laughs> welcome to MTV Cardboard Boxes. No, something that the town, one town over from me is doing that I've seen them doing. It's a new homeless solution center. Of okay. some kind, they are um, taking old used uh, transportation crates, like the ones that you see that the like the, the giant ships that they use. They yeah, use a giant yeah, yeah. crane and they put those big metal crates in there, and they are cleaning them up and repurposing them, putting windows and sliding doors in them, stacking them one on top of another creatively, and turning them into like little apartment complexes. Yeah, I, I've I've, oh, I've wow. heard about this. I've seen this, although. I, I've seen it in far more of a sort of hipster, like we're just gonna like live in a shipping container, and like that's all we <laughs> we're need just in life. Live in a box, yeah. And from that standpoint, but I, I quite, you know, it's sort of a, you know the way you're describing it, uh, Zach, is sort of like a, a a place for people to get back on their feet. Is I think a far um, 
far more productive use for it than just like far, you far know more noble idea yeah i just well, like okay, far, so the I only like reason that i think it's a, a that it's a homeless project is because it was just slapped on a plot of land that's right next to a convenience store that's about to go under in a really ghetto part of town mm. that i don't think the hipsters are going to want to stay in if they want to do that they can go and live by the river or something but mm. um although which would also probably be kind of ghetto too but well, that's it, a totally different subject that's neither here nor there it makes me think of um Ready Player One and the stacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Very, That's, very similar I, I thought, design. Actually, you're not wrong. I thought it was really cool until I remembered that comparison. <laughs> 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 no, but if it's giving if it's giving people in need a place to a place to stay, a, a shelter, then good, good. That's... Well, this is also the same town that is putting homeless people to work and paying them to uh, clean up the streets and stuff like that. See? So that's. Our, that's, uh, that's the kind of initiative we need. Our our reclamation industry is for the people who have no jobs. They give them a job. They give them a vest and a and a trash bag, and they go around and and uh, they they clean up the city. And for every bag of trash they collect, they get paid a certain amount. So wow, the the more great. the more the more bags they collect, the more they get paid. The closer they are to getting back on their feet. All right. This see this is how we begin to this how this is how we begin to to solve the problems that are facing us as a. As as Western society, we, we start start local, start local, think global. Yep, I agree totally. totally. There's well, not enough were... of there's not enough of that kind of thought going around these days. You know, I I've there's a <laughs> I don't want to call any names here, but like there's a town like near me that like the biggest problem they have with like homeless people is like they're trying to keep they're like putting partitions on benches so they can't the homeless can't uh, sleep on them. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen I've, those. That's not you, how you solve those. Yeah, problems. like you, like you I'm, see like, that. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Like the you, like the initiative you take to you further put these people in worse situations when you could be helping them. Like it's just and you hear about things like yeah. that. Like you know with the shipping containers is amazing, but yeah, it's infuriating. Yeah. Yeah, no. There's there's a right way to go about doing it, and that's helping people. And there's a wrong way about uh, going about doing it, and that's making life even worse for people who are already in not the greatest situation. Bet you weren't expecting that when you turned into IPC, tuned into IPC this week. (laughs) But hey, we went from Disney streaming service to save the world to solving the home the homelessness crisis. Well, maybe not solving, but working on it. Hey, I mean, we're it's a it's a peace bringing discussion and this is the intergalactic peace coalition hey. i guess that's the that's the closest tie-in i can come up with but we do actually have a subject we're supposed to talk about tonight and we're like 45 <laughs> minutes into the program <laughs> i feel like this always i feel like this always happens <laughs> when i come on we never get well, to. but it's good conversation it's, though we just enjoy having you on and having a good conversation yeah man. man i love it i love i love i love coming on the show and i love hanging out with you guys and uh yeah, Zach, we really missed you up in Toronto back in May. I would, uh... Oh, man, I missed you guys, too. And I missed uh, – I, but the, the thing is, I would have missed not having a car even more. Of course. No, I, I fully I – <laughs> like, That was, that was the gotta, biggest circumstance that gotta, happened at exactly the wrong time. You got to take care of – you know, you got to take care of real-life stuff first. But um... So what we're talking about is possibly having some sort of reunion before Episode 9 and just do it for the hell of it. Yeah. You hey. know? Like I'm just I just miss you guys. I'm, I miss you guys <laughs> too. In, in, a, in a very like pro miss podcasting friends kind of way, not like a like a pro homo kind of way. Hey, hey, I'm, <laughs> it's a, it's a, I'm, I miss it's a, it's you. It's a bromo. How I'm, about that. It's a it's a bromo. I miss you guys in every possible way. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, no, I, actually, real quick, uh, I've been at Fan Expo this weekend, which is right downtown in Toronto. And as I was making my first sort of trek there on, on Thursday to, to pick up my press badge and stuff, I realized that like the last time I had really spent any significant amount of time in that area was uh, hanging out with Ben and Chris around mm-hmm. solo and i was just like man i was like i started to feel sad because i was like oh those were such good get, times and those times aren't happening now although yeah, i've had such get, a like, nostalgic almost yeah yeah exactly and then i will say once i got to fan expo i felt a lot be- <laughs> felt a lot better and started seeing friends there and stuff but i did uh, yeah i really missed uh really missed seeing you guys um well one well, thing, we, we, we have more opportunities in the near future. That's very that true. We can, we can maybe we'll make it work. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. In the meantime, let's just go ahead and uh, jump into our discussion of Order of the Phoenix. It's been a while since we've been to the Potter universe here on IPC. So, um, Dom, if you wouldn't mind, maybe give us a little bit of a recap of the stuff that's led up to Order of the Phoenix and then maybe give us your first impressions. Sure. So, uh I'm just going to really quickly summarize the last four books and movies. So, uh, <laughs> in five minutes, we spent 45 minutes talking about almost nothing, but then you got to do this in like two to five, two to five yeah. minutes. So, uh, obviously Harry Potter, uh, begins, uh, at the end of the sort of big wizarding world or, or wizarding war, I should say, uh, when the dark Lord Voldemort has been has seemingly been defeated, uh, in a very sort of questionable manner by, a young baby named Harry Potter. His parents were killed in front of him, but something happened when Voldemort tried to kill Harry that led to him losing all of his power. He's not dead, but he loses all of his power. Uh, and so Harry, lacking his, lacking having a, a family or, or parents to, to raise him, was dropped off with his muggle aunt and uncle who, who don't have magic. They are not wizards. That's what muggle means. Uh, and so Harry grows up with them and they are uh there's no there's no two ways of saying this they are abusive they treat him terribly he has an awful childhood but when he uh reaches a certain age he starts to get letters that invite him to train at hogwarts school of witchcraft wizardry and when he goes there he meets his new best friends ron ron weasley and hermione granger and he gets introduced to this far larger world now being introduced to this larger, beautiful world also comes with its darker elements, and he's encountered those uh, in the first two films. They are various forms of Voldemort, whether that's a- an imprint of Voldemort left in a diary uh, in Chamber of Secrets or Voldemort's actual actual spirit possessing part of the body of one of his teachers at school in Philosopher's Stone. Then he's, uh, in, in a Prisoner of Azkaban, he's left to sort of grapple with... Uh, kind of the what actually happened with his parents and he meets it meets Sirius Black who he thought was instrumental in their death but it turns out is actually his godfather and actually somebody who tried to save his parents and he creates a, a new sort of familial fatherly mentor bond with them then Goblet of Fire comes around Harry accidentally winds up in the Triwizard Tournament and through the challenges there he winds up in a position to win the tournament, but he decides to co-win with his fellow Hogwarts champion, Cedric Diggory. When they go to touch the cup, which would win the tournament for Hogwarts, they are transported to the graveyard where Voldemort's 
uh, parents and grandparents are buried there. Cedric is murdered by an agent of Voldemort, and Harry's blood is taken from uh, a wound that is inflicted on him and used to resurrect the Dark Lord. And so that's where we are at the beginning of Order of the Phoenix. In Order of the Phoenix, uh, Harry is uh, faced with uh, the fact that people don't believe him. They don't want to believe that the Dark Lord is back. And they are smearing his name. He had been quite famous before. They're smearing his name. They're smearing uh, Dumbledore, who was one of his mentors and one of the most famous wizards of all time. They're smearing his name. And it's up to Harry in this movie to not only resist Voldemort and his, uh, his, his evil ways, but also to prove to the wizarding community that Voldemort is back. Now, uh, Order of the Phoenix for me uh, is a real personal favorite. Uh, and I say that knowing full well, this is, um, if not the lowest rated uh, Harry Potter film on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's one of the lowest. Um, really? Yeah, uh, it's a it's a real personal favorite for me. Um, Order of the Phoenix was the first book that I I sort of got as it was coming out. I had re I read the first four sort of all in a chunk. I binge read them, I guess you would say, although it took quite a bit of time to get through them all. Uh, but this was the first one that I sort of experienced having it come out and reading it as it went along. Um, and then the movie came out about two weeks before the Deathly Hallows book came out. And in the lead up to Deathly Hallows, the, the book, I was just so into Potter and so into this world, the wizarding world, that I, I was just like everything Potter was like the most important thing to me that summer. And so this is the only this was the only Potter movie um, prior to um, prior to Fantastic Beasts, I guess, that I um, that I went and saw opening weekend or actually opening day. And I have this really sort of great memory of it of like knowing that it had opened that day that it had opened on, on the day it came out and i was going to summer camp at the time and i remember asking asking <laughs> my dad if i could skip summer camp and go to the movies and i wasn't quite old enough where i could go to movies on my own yet yet and he was sort of like nah i don't think so i, I you know i think you you know you're you know me and your mom have paid for you to go to this camp. You should go to this camp and, you know, enjoy it and have fun with your friends. And you know what? Fair enough, Dad. That's honestly, you were right. I, I, I concede <laughs> here 11 years later, <laughs> I concede the argument. <laughs> um, but um, my my mom being as, as cool as she is and, and, and both of my parents being as cool as they are uh, that night, uh, my mom was like, I said to mom, oh, I really want to go see the movie. She's like, all right, get your shoes. Let's go. And we went to a screening at like nine o'clock at night, which was wow. felt really late at the time. And <laughs> um, yeah, here we are. It's eleven. It's eleven thirty <laughs> Eastern time. Nine doesn't seem so late anymore, but it felt really late at the time. And it was it was really cool of my mom. And so I, I love those sort of. I, I have a couple of those uh, sort of memories of my parents saying to my parents, you know, I'd, "I'd really like to go see this movie," and then being like, "Let's go right now." And and this is one with my mom. Um, the other one with my dad was the Casino Royale, uh, where I was like, Dad, can we go yeah. see the new Bond movie? He's like, let's go right now. It's a school night. Let's go. That's <laughs> uh, a great movie, Zach. Shut up. <laughs> um, enough. Um, so I, or, or, I, love, I love Casino Royale. I know we, we've discussed this in the past, our differences <laughs> of opinions. And, and maybe that's another RIPC episode waiting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> the great Casino Royale debate. Um, 
but so I have a lot of sort of sentimentality around both the book and the film here. And uh, I, I really enjoy the story. Uh, I know some people think it's it's a little bit convoluted. It's a little bit uh, overstuffed. And, and you know what? Maybe, maybe it is. But I, I really love the sort of Harry really for the first time kind of having to take on things on his own. You know, Dumbledore kind of leaves him. Uh, leaves him to himself, leaves him to his own devices. Then there's nobody who's really helping him. Even in in all the previous ones, you know, kind of, he had some kind of mentor that was kind of giving him little bits of advice and guiding him, whether that was, and, and, and it, it sort of felt like it, even when, even when those mentors were gone, it kind of felt like Harry was almost surviving just kind of by, accident whereas here he was taking sort of a really active role in sort of going all right if the older people aren't going to help us here we're going to do our own thing and that's where we see things like Dumbledore's army take take shape and um yeah it like I said it's, it's a real favorite of mine I think the action scene at the end is one of the coolest in the franchise uh I think it's a very sort of exciting sequence and uh very visually interesting and yeah, I think it, it it's a it's for me it's it's a real sentimental favorite, but it's also just generally a, a favorite in the franchise. I think it's a real sort of turning point, uh, or I guess Goblet of Fire was the turning point, but this is the one where it really hammers at home that like the series has grown up. The series this is now this is no longer a series for kids; it's a series for young adults. Uh, you've trans you've made that transition from child to young adult, and I think that's very evident in in this story. And, and I certainly appreciated it at the time when I was uh, first reading and watching it. If that made yeah. any sense whatsoever. <laughs> no, no, they're they're very fair points, and I look forward to like diving a little bit deeper into them. But uh, Ben, I want to get your initial impressions first. Yeah, well, I have absolutely no history with this movie other than i watched it the other day i can't 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 even (laughs) hope to follow up what dominate that great story but uh yeah i watched it i really really enjoyed it i think i don't know like it's gonna be interesting to see like i'm really honestly enjoying harry potter more so than maybe other franchises that we've talked about on the show i'm not gonna call any names but like i'm really really enjoying then this one was like I felt like I caught the groove of this franchise. Like I'm into it. I'm I'm catching more stuff. And I did I did a little bit of research outside of like during the break when we were talking. So like, you know, I feel like I know more about this universe like that, and I'm more familiar with it. And this was I really really enjoyed this movie. I really did. And a, a lot of the reasons are like what you just talked about with is that it it goes into new areas it does new things with the characters and really kind of you know kind of going with this whole like setting up obviously what the premise is going to be going into the finale of this series which is you know this whole thing with Voldemort's back and people don't believe him and fake news whatever i'm surprised yeah, we didn't actually see well it it's it's, it's funny ben you say fake news so i was at harry potter land in florida back in February of last year with my mom and we were just sort of walking around and they, in Diagon Alley, they had just sort of a fake, um, or a little shop 
uh, window for the Daily Prophet offices. And you couldn't actually go in or anything, but it, it had the Daily Prophet, which is the newspaper, and it had the sign. I remember taking a picture of it and putting it up on my inter- on my Instagram with the caption, fake news, and just thinking, haha, it's funny because it's a fake universe, and it's the news in that universe, so it's fake news, haha. And then I sort of was sitting there thinking about it while I was in line for a ride. I'm like, no, actually, the Daily Prophet is fake news. Like, all through this this story, they are essentially state propaganda. They're saying, you know, what the minister is saying, what Fudge is saying is true. And anybody that doesn't agree with him is a, is a lying snake who is trying to deceive you for personal profit. And that's not to say there aren't lying snakes out there who are trying to deceive you for personal profit. But it does make a very interesting point about uh, either both sort of about the media in general that you have to have a sort of healthy sense of skepticism especially when something is so openly um pushing the 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 message of one particular group yeah and and you know it, it what's interesting about this movie is that the antagonist yes we're coming off of a film where Voldemort or was introduced or reintroduced to this universe and you know, you expect it. Oh, yeah. You know, Voldemort is back. It's going to be a big deal. But he's not really around in this movie. Yeah. The main antagonist is the Ministry of Magic. Is kind of the, the establishment, and they're. I mean, they're not even being. They're not even being like literally manipulated by Voldemort. They're just in denial. Yeah. And it's... they don't want to. It's not like they're like because you could say like, oh, they were under a spell or something for Voldemort. Like it's not like that. It's no. just that. I mean, and they explain it right up front that it's their fear exactly. that is just driving them and it's, insane. And it's such a powerful statement that Voldemort doesn't even have to do anything to them in a like a magical sense. They're not under the Imperious charm. It's it's nothing like that, or the Imperious curse. It, it's it's they are they are just afraid of the truth, and they as such they are willing to allow to essentially look the other way while Voldemort. Uh, gains power, rallies his his allies and his troops to prepare for an all-out war uh, against uh, wizards who would dare stand up to him and then eventually muggles. Uh, and, and while that's that's going on, the people who are supposed to be there to stop him, they are so afraid of having to face him and, and that's that they won't even say his name. He's They don't say Voldemort. They say he who must not be named or you know who. And, and because they're so afraid, they won't face the reality of what's going on. And because of that, someone so evil as Voldemort is able to rise. And you guys will see uh, in Half-Blood Prince, but especially in Deathly Hallows, where that takes us. And, and you know, if, if, if Fudge had, a, had a, been able to mobilize the Aurors faster, you never know. I mean, it's, uh, it's pure speculation on, on on sort of rewriting Harry Potter history. Uh, oh, yeah. but, but you never know if, if people had been willing to move a little bit faster, maybe maybe they could have stopped some of the destruction that Voldemort ultimately wreaks on the wizarding world. Yeah, and it just this movie kind of reintroduces another angle to this whole franchise and this universe. And you know, you look back at Philosopher's Stone. Oh, it's nice and fun, and you know, uh, Harry Potter going to school and all this thing. Like all of that is gone now. Yeah, all it, of it's... that. It's all about 
Harry Potter literally leading a rebellion within this school and within this establishment it's sort that of, is working against him. It's sort of like if you came out of Goblet of Fire going, okay, well, Cedric was a one-off. Like the, the, that sort of brutality was a one-off. This, this, uh, this, this story does not let you sort of live in that fantasy. Like that's kind of the fantasy that Fudge and, and everybody else wants to, and, and Umbridge and all these other people want to live in. They want to believe that it's just kind of, you know, Cedric Dickory's death was a, was a, an accident. It was a tragedy. It was horrible. We're all sad about it, but it doesn't mean Voldemort's back. It doesn't mean you know who's back. It's just, that was just something else. They're so afraid and it's such a powerful statement on the power of fear and its ability to control people and drive people's motivation who are otherwise good people. I, I think, uh, and this, this point is made a little bit clearer in the book than it is in the film. Uh, but I, I get the impression that Fudge is a, is at his core is a good person, although he is very misguided and has been very corrupted mm-hmm. by the, by the sort of the political, uh, his political career, the political establishment. Yeah, and, you know, goes back to that theme of, like, I mean, we've seen in Star Wars, we've seen in tons of other things about, you know, political establishments, especially after they've been there a while, they become corrupt, and they're kind of useless. And even to the point where they're literally doing Voldemort's bidding without him even giving it any commands. Yeah, and and it's... Yeah. It's just, it's a reminder that, you know... You always have to be be vigilant against these things because when you're not vigilant, when you get complacent like Fudge did, like the ministry does in general, that's when tragedy happens and devastation happens and is when is when people is when good people get complacent and don't stand up to what's wrong when they see it. Exactly. Exactly. So I think this movie obviously opens the door for a lot of different things and we'll try to we'll try to touch on as many as we can tonight but like it's uh you know it really it it it, it intrigues me and excites me for kind of the future like I really like if I wasn't already down to like watch the next movie and had to watch the next movie for next week's episode like um you know I would have to do that anyway because like I'm intrigued to see where this goes. You're into and, it. You've you've caught the bug. You you need to yeah. know what happens next. Exactly. Exactly. So and but also like I'm kind of sad cuz like I only got I'm like more than halfway through now. So oh, yeah. isn't that isn't that so like crazy like how we get so like into these things and then like it's like you get so caught up in the drive of like oh I can't wait for to find out what happens next and then you get to the end of like the last one and you're like oh or you start to you get to the last one and you're like so excited to find out what happens and, and read the rest of the story or watch the rest of the story, but there's a part of you going like, Oh dang, I'm gonna I'm not gonna have any more of this. And and you know, I, I remember when Deathly Hollows the book came out, like I didn't even I was so like driven to to read it that I didn't even have a chance to stop and think about oh, this is the end until it was over. And then once it was over, there was this like just over this overwhelming feeling of oh, Dang it! It's over. I, I, I there's not ever going to be more stories. Not knowing, of course, that Fantastic Beasts and Cursed Child were on the way, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Zach, we haven't heard from you. What, what, yeah. what, what do you think of Order of the Phoenix? Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm here. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I totally was not on Bumble just now. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. Um, movie. That's a thing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I 
I'm, I'm, I'm a little mixed on this because after hearing those thoughts from you guys, I get where you're coming from. But at the same time, as a storyteller, as a writer, there were a lot of elements that I felt like could have been done differently or could have been done better. Mm. Just just from from the, the writing to the shots to the execution, like from a very technical standpoint, there were some things that just felt a little off to me in this episode. Maybe... Maybe it's it's because um, like I'm seeing certain characters that uh, have have shown up in other franchises, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at I'm looking at certain people and uh, who is it? There's there's one person that helps um, break Harry out of his out, out of the Dursleys and brings him to to the order of the phoenix and uh, i look at her really really closely and i'm like oh my god that's osha from game of thrones yeah yeah it's her uh, her character is is tonks in the in the in, potter in the in the in the potter verse okay yeah. so yeah so there there's those out of place kind of recognition moments that are happening for me as well along with seeing development of characters go a direction that maybe i wasn't anticipating okay like I for for the longest time, everything's been kind of yeah, we're a little on the edge of our seats, but things turn out all right at the end. Mm. And that didn't really happen as much with this movie. It was like yeah, we're on the edge of our seats, things are really tense, and now they're getting worse. Yeah, and now they're getting worse, and now they're getting even worse. Okay, crap. Like there, there's hardly anything that feels super uplifting about this movie to me. Like the the news media kind of controlling the narrative, Umbridge taking control of Hogwarts, um, Harry's past still not getting an opportunity to be revisited. Like there's all these different opportunities, all these different things that could have been taken advantage of and then weren't or went a different way. And there, it was just like one thing after another kept compounding, compounding, compounding. And I was like, Okay, I I I enjoyed it. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not like it's going to be the lowest rated uh, of all of them. I don't think anything's going to be rated lower than Azkaban. Azkaban got a seven from me, <laughs> and that's 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 a, that's actually a pretty low score when it comes to my movie rankings. Um, but I I don't know. There there were just some intangibles from a from a movie perspective that Definitely. took me that took me out of the storytelling. And if I'm not immersed in the storytelling, if I'm not immersed in the narrative and what's going on, then I have a very out of movie experience. I don't really know how to describe it. It's almost like swimming. No, I, compared yeah. compared to watching people swimming. When I'm watching some movies and TV shows, I'm so engrossed. I feel like I'm in their universe. And I'm just I'm, I'm right there with them in the forest or I'm right there with them on the beach side. And in, in those situations, I'm swimming. Mm. This one felt more like I was watching other people swim. Yeah, I see what's happening. I'm understanding what's unfolding. I, I am getting excited at certain points, but it's not as thrilling as being actually in the water. Sure. If that makes sense. No, I, I totally understand where you're, where you're coming from. And, and um, I. I, I I think there's a couple of things to to keep in mind there, and and actually, first off, I'll I'll say uh, what you're sort of laying out there is 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 a very sort of key thing about about the about film as a storytelling medium is that it it, it really is weird the way our if if something doesn't work for us, especially early on, 
in in a film no matter how good the rest of the film may be if our brain checks out early it's hard to feel like we get back to use your metaphor in the pool no matter how yeah. how good it, it it may be from that point on and i'm not saying i'm not saying like you know something happened at the beginning and that threw you off and then order of the phoenix is a perfect film from that point on i'm not i'm not trying to make that that that's not my argument at all i'm just sort of saying just as sort of a theoretical film standpoint that's mm-hmm. that's a sort of a, a a key thing that that storytellers need to remember um first impressions are important they are they are and that that's uh with with Order of the Phoenix uh, is part of the reason I laid out sort of my my history with it and why it's so important to me and and I but oh, yeah. I also but I also sort of stand a little bit more with Ben in that I think it's really really good, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it, but it, okay, it, it is but here here as... let me let me just throw one other thing at at you Zach uh, mm-hmm. is this is I if not the shortest Potter film it's one of the shortest and it's the longest book and. There are. This is the first time I really felt in the franchise. There's some stuff in here that makes sense if you've read the book, but comes across as very weird if you watch the film. And I'm thinking specifically of the moment where Harry reverses the occlumency charm onto Snape, and he sees Snape's memories of his father. And it got so much more in depth in the book. It, it it really lays out who James was as a person and how he evolved, how he had a character arc, and what his arc was, and how he the the person that you see in that flashback is not the man who he became, and that he is actually ashamed of the things that he did in those flashbacks that we actually see in the film. But you don't get that in the film. You just get him being a dick. Like that's what he's being. It's very, I was, I was surprised at like how quickly that went by. Yeah. And like they introduced, they showed like, yeah, James is a bully. And then they don't go back to it. And I'm like, that's a pretty big deal that we haven't seen much of Harry's parents. And we're told that they were great people, but you know, we're shown that he's, not such a great person. And, and, so and this is something, that would have been a great thing to actually, you know, elaborate on. Yeah, and this is something in the book, Harry, that is something Harry grapples with for several chapters of who is my father actually, or who was my father actually. I have this idealized version of him, but was he a bully? Was he an awful person? Was he a terrible person throughout his life? Or was this just a, a brief sort of thing he did at, at school? And... You know the the resol- even in the book the resolution isn't I wouldn't you know I'm thinking as I think back on it it's not perfect but it does give you a far better um, a far better resolution on that little story arc but it's it's so uh, dropped that it, it, in in the film in the film it's so dropped that you would just think James was a dick and now and, and I say that I'm gonna uh, I say that. It's probably the second worst instance of if you if if you don't understand this, read the book. The most egregious the most egregious incident is still to come, and I will point it out for you if you don't if you don't pick up on it. But I'm I'm sure you both will pick up on it because it is egregious. Um, oh goodness! But uh, and it, it actually ties in with Order of the Phoenix, the book, but it's something that something there's something introduced in order of the phoenix the book that doesn't get introduced in the film that becomes essential later on um and the way they introduce it in the films is very ham-fisted but we'll you'll get there um but but yeah this 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 is kind of the one 
there it's such a dense book and and it's also the only film in the series that wasn't adapted by Steve Cloves. So you have a different writer adapting the most dense book. And I think that's where some of the issues that you're highlighting, Zach, come from, is that it's 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 not congruous with the rest of the series from a an adaptation standpoint. And also it's probably the hardest one to ad- to adapt. Because at least with Goblet of Fire and and and, and even with um you guys will see next week with, with Half Blood Prince, there's a few more things that feel really key that you have to hit in those ones. Whereas this one, as it's going along, it's, it, it, I, I do think it all builds together really well, but it's harder to tell what exactly the key moments are, and it's harder to hit them as emphatically as you could in Goblet and Half-Blood Prince. Uh, in this one, it, it really is... The, the journey doesn't have as many obvious landmarks, but I, I from my from my standpoint, I still think it's a a pretty good journey. Well, I right. mean, I mean, like like you were talking about the evolution of the show and of the characters. You're right; it's very evident that things are taking a very different direction. Because I mean, just for example, the the ball from the previous movie was extremely awkward because it was a whole bunch of prepubescents <laughs> who didn't know how to dance. Yeah. And yeah. now you've got the room of requirement where people are going to make out. Yeah. So I mean, it's totally taken a shift that's more oriented towards young adults rather than like, like young people. Like yeah. I, I get that. And I, I get that they're trying to take on more adult overtones. It's, it's not, it's not that the, paradigm shift is unwarranted i like that the characters are developing we're literally watching them all kind of grow up essentially like i did i did enjoy that aspect i did look at at ron and hermione and harry and and thinking back to when they were first on the train in the first movie and i'm like oh my god they're all grown up (laughs) like yeah we're we're watching them grow and evolve as as people and as characters it's just there were certain developments that I don't know, either felt too drawn out or not drawn out enough, or maybe they just paid too much attention to one particular lady in pink. And I just wanted to pay attention to somebody else for a gosh damn minute. (laughs) (laughs) I really quick on her. Oh, it does not be quick. I'm just going to mention. No, it's not. It's not going to be quick. This is going to be a long drawn out argument. like, Like I, I think. I've talked about before how memes color my first impressions of these movies, of a lot of the movies of mine. Lord of the Rings, like there's so many memes out there, and I went into those movies with those memes in my head. Same thing here. When I come in and we you have the courtroom scene at the beginning, and she's in the in the crowd, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh. This is that movie. That's her. <laughs> That's that lady. This is going to get interesting. Like I'm immediately like it's probably what stuck me in the movie because I'm like, okay, this is about to get interesting. Like I didn't know if it was like thing, but I'm like everybody hates her for some reason. They hate her, and I want to know why. I'm 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 curious. I want to know why she is so terrible because she seems like a nice lady, but no, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just in my role as the guy comparing the movies to the books. Um, 
I like when I rewatched it this week for for this uh, this show. I, I I remembered her as being a lot worse than she actually comes across in the in the film, and I think that's because she is that much worse in the books. Like as bad as you think she is, as evil as you think she is in this, um, she is. It's a step up in the books. Uh, I will just say really quickly, um, the actress who plays her, Imelda Staunton, fantastic actress. Like she is. You know, she does the evil thing, like that evil, like evil cute, for lack of a better term, so well <laughs> in this. But she's all I, I and like I saw her in another movie a couple years ago and I'm watching this movie and I'm looking at this actress going like this person's familiar, but I kid can't place what I can't place where. And I looked it up and it was her. And the reason I couldn't place her was because in this other movie she was delightful. She was like like my favorite character in this movie because she was so wonderful. It's this it's this really cool movie called Pride, um, which is about the uh, it's set in the eighties and the it's set around the, the the mining strikes in the UK and it's about a, a group of LGBT people that team up with the miners to rally together. And it's a really a really sort of moving true story and she's in that and she is so delightfully wonderful. <laughs> in that story and i'm like that you can't be this delightful in this movie and this evil in this other movie that's not right that's not fair imelda that's not fair um that's not that's not how it should be but uh, just you know i just wanted to highlight her as an actress because she is fantastic yeah i mean diverse to say the least sure um, um just just the way she she acts and the way she presents herself is just so like i mean it's 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 almost it's it's pretty evil (laughs) like you know like she presents herself in this very like oh nice the way she speaks but like everything she says and everything she does totally contradicts her demeanor and just it just undercuts it so well like you said just a fantastic performance because it's you just get the point that that she is you know you hate her she's terrifying and what she's doing is just it's just so she's she's the the epitome of like bad teachers bad teachers and uh, bad teachers and secret police rolled into one (laughs) (laughs) exactly what do you have i been mispronouncing this my whole life what is it E P I T O M E, epitome. Yeah. What? How do you? Say I don't it? even. I don't even know if I use that correctly, but whatever. Now you've got me re, like rethinking my life. <laughs> how, wait, how how do you say it? Maybe we're, maybe we're the ones saying it wrong. Epitome. 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 Yeah. No, you're right. I think that's right. Epitome. Epitome. Oh, epitome. Yeah, it, I, it you figures are right. I would. It would figures that I would pronounce it incorrectly. Let's just see here. Hold on. Let me see you, if there's. Let's see. Here. Who who's putting epitome. the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable? Here, here, here. <laughs> according to Google. Epitome. Epitome. You're right, Zach. Yeah. Zach is right. Epitome. I've I've heard people pronounce it both ways, but I do. That is the correct pronunciation. That's like, I say. I didn't make that up. I I've heard somebody say that no, before. No, no, I'm, so not I'm not. Accusing, no, I'm not accusing you of making up a. a ben is making up words again. <laughs> I, I just I just Which I have done. All right, I, guilty as charged. I've done that before, but not with this one. I I literally just sit there going, wait a second. Have I literally been saying this wrong my entire life? What is wrong with me? 
um, going going back to Dolores Umbridge, I think one of the things that that makes her character so like like one of those ones that you just so love to hate mm-hmm. is I, I, for me, anyways, it was the aesthetic. Everything mm. about her <laughs> is just one of those things that got on my nerves. Sure. It was it was her hair. It was her walk. It was the fact that she wanted to stand on the steps so that she would appear taller than the people she was talking to. Um, it was it was the coloration of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, her office was just like this bright pink. And you never got anything like that with Hogwarts. You know, Hogwarts is always divvied up into the four houses and the color schemes are all, you know, black bounced off of green or red or yellow or blue, you know, that kind of thing. And to have just this vibrant strawberry pink almost was just such a contrast that you instantly knew something was different about her. There, it was like there was just this very audible, visible recognition that she was going to come in and shake up the status quo. And when she took the stage during Dumbledore's presentation, during his speech, we've seen him make speeches in the Great Hall before, but he's never been interrupted like that before. And he's, he's never had his presentation taken over like that before. Like everything about who she was and what she represented everything going back to you know being a, a part of the ministry of magic everything about who she was represented a threat to hogwarts and to the very stability that we've come to know so she definitely shook things up but in a way that nobody was comfortable with and it was that discomfort of the change of scenery, the discomfort involving the change of dynamic, the change of status quo. She just I'm 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 kind of like Ron Swanson where I'm just not thrilled with a whole lot of change that's being thrown at me like really, really quickly. And Umbridge just shook things up so much that I couldn't help but despise her because she's changing too damn much around mm-hmm. her. And yeah, that it just made my skin crawl. Yeah, I mean that's the character's uh, the character's sort of purpose in the story, and and is is that she takes this place for Harry that was his 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 home, his safe his safe uh, a relatively safe environment, although he seems to be uh, at at the risk of desk a death every the risk of desk at the risk of death every couple. (laughs) You sit down, Potter. We can words uh, at the risk of death uh, every year, but it it is sort of his home. It's it's this place where he's happy and content, and she comes in there and and screws it all up with by by changing everything, by changing all the dynamics. Um, you, you know, I I do. There's a couple of great moments where when the teachers that we do love kind of try and stand up to her and. Um, with the you know uh, there's, there's the scene with, with McGonagall that you little, were referencing with the steps um the very Dumbledore little scene success i might add yeah and 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 again uh, there's even more of it in the in the books uh with with McGon- with the showdowns between McGonagall and um and Umbridge. Oh man, those are some of my favorites. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. Ma- Maggie uh, Maggie Smith just I, I laying love, it out. I love that one scene where 
she um umbridge is kicking out one of the teachers i forget her name trelawney um trelawney yeah. So she's kicking her out, and it's just like this is a really sad scene. It's like you know, it's like, like she's just being a bully to everyone, and then Dumbledore shows up. Yeah, and like oh yeah, Dumbledore's gonna gonna get her, and and you know he kind of lays down like you can do this, but you can't do that. Like <laughs> woman, get out of my face. Um, but you know I, I I love I love that whole thing with with her the dynamic of like and Dumbledore really isn't there, and that's the whole thing with this movie that I like is that. It's about, you know, change in the way that it's not just Umbridge is there. It's the fact that Dumbledore seems to be gone. He's avoiding Harry, Harry altogether. Um, you know, he, you know, Harry ends up losing Sirius yeah. in the way. And and in 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 the end, it kind of struck me. And I I don't want to jump too far in the end, but like, it was that moment where Sirius, I think, is telling Harry like, you know, we've got this or whatever, like you know, whatever, and. He, you know, Harry is kind of standing with him and kind of fighting, and then he, of course, he dies. And it struck me as like, okay, like that's like having the adults come in and save the day is is not what Harry needs. What yeah. he really needs is to be challenged and to take the lead, and that's what he does in this movie. Is that he loses pretty much everything and is forced to literally become a teacher himself to teach these kids how to deal with Voldemort who is coming. So I think that's the interesting that it puts Harry in an interesting position that he is on his own almost completely. He is yeah. he is the kind of the biggest name in this group and you know he's forced to take the lead and be a leader and that's what we need him to be. That's what he needs to be. He needs to take the lead. Yeah. The way with you laying that out Ben it just it, I'm thinking ahead not so much to Half-Blood Prince next week but to Deathly Hallows when we get there. It, the, the, you will see when we get to that point how essential this chapter in Harry's journey was. And, you know, it was kind of kind of cruel of Dumbledore to do this to him. And mm -hmm. in the books, he kind of, he does more to apologize. And there's a great scene in the books, and I'm so sad, got cut out, where Dumbledore really lays things out for Harry all at the end. Um but you know it's 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 kind of cruel but it becomes essential uh down the line and and you guys will see next week you know next week get lots of fun dumbledore stuff it's real it's really cool to see harry and dumbledore finally on on missions together uh as as not quite equals but as you know essentially two grown-ups as opposed to a, a, a grown-up and a kid and um yeah it's these uh these stories are so meticulously plotted that even some things that maybe don't seem that seem one way at, at, at the time they uh there's a payoff um that maybe isn't you know overt but it's it's there mm -hmm. definitely I'm, I'm looking forward to it because okay going back to harry as a teacher for a bit okay i don't this is this is one of my biggest complaints and uh, you can you can make all the counterpoints you want, but you're not going to uh, to convince me. I, I don't care if this is a I'm sure it's a rolling thing because it's such a prominent piece of the of the story in. Oh, yeah. In the in the uh, in the movie. But the room of requirement. More like the room of convenience. <laughs> 
I'm sorry, Ben. I know that that's going to get bleeped out in post, but holy sh**. This bro this room has never been talked about. It's never shown up. Even when we've we've got things like the Chamber of Secrets. No, we 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 don't have any mention of this, no recollection of this, at least from a cinematic standpoint, until we absolutely are told that students cannot get together for any reason at all. All student groups are henceforth banned. And you're you're not allowed to stand more than, you know, eight inches apart or whatever. There's all these different things that Umbridge is throwing at them, and then all of a sudden, whoops, here's a secret room that nobody can get into that you can now practice your witchcraft in. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> um, wow, we can just cut this section out and present it as another episode of RIPC, <laughs> where uh, just call it Zach, Zach goes off the deep end about Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, look, I, it's, it's such a, like, um, like it's such a finite thing that like there's 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 no like debate or discussion to be had. It's either you like it or you don't. And <laughs> I like like it's not it's not like we're analyzing a character's motivation where we can sort of like go back and forth on it. Um, I again just to compare it to the books. It's better explained and set up in the books. It's also it's actually hinted at in Goblet of Fire in the books. Dumbledore kind of references it in passing and you kind of look back on it and you go, Oh, he's talking about the room of requirement. And, and I am sorry to say, Zach, it does come back. Um, uh. but it's, it's, it's better. Um, it's better explained and it's better pulled off, uh, in the book. So the, the concept that it's kind of the secret room that you can only get into if you desperately need something is from the books, but the, the sort of the execution of it is, a, is a little bit different. Yeah. But, see, I would have been, okay with a room of requirement if say somebody is being sexually abused in their in their chambers you know and and they're trying to get away like it's a it's a potential rape victim and they need a safe room and bam this door just comes in and the predator that's coming after them can't see anything but a wall like i'm okay with that like like that that kind of concept i'm i'm totally okay with something like an emergency room showing up when it's most needed that I'm I'm okay with, but I just didn't feel like the room required its presence in this situation. If they were truly teenagers, you know, I mean, come on, the Weasley twins set off fireworks in the Great Hall. If they can do something that zany, I'm sure a few students are going to be able to find a place where Umbridge isn't going to show up. Why not go back to the girls' bathroom where it's it's haunted that nobody goes into? I mean, that was convenient enough for them before. Why not go back there instead of having to come up with a completely new place that nobody can get into? Just sneak around a little bit more, kids. Like, come on. Does does magic really have to be like the cop-out even in a magic movie? Or can kids still be kids and just be sneaky and find some other place that Umbridge doesn't have her nose stuck up? I It's... it's... Far better set up in the books. <laughs> there's there's I, a whole there's actually as, like, as someone like, okay go ahead Ben go ahead Ben who has just watched the movies mm-hmm. and watched this I don't care <laughs> it doesn't bother me like yeah it's yeah it, in a in a storytelling from a storytelling point of view yeah it's having a room that just shows up when you need it is pretty contrived. Like, convenient let's be room is convenient. But like, 
like this is like this universe and we're we, how many movies into this you know series Five. Five, and yeah. and the books are like that like it's there's you're dealing with magic like there is a certain amount of ridiculousness to it yeah. oh i and, know I know. So yeah, I, I, I totally get I totally get your argument. I do. Um, but I also like from another point of view, I'm thinking like, you know, it it does to me it fits. To me, it's like, okay, yeah, of course this would be a thing. Like, of yeah. course, you know, the you know, the more, in my opinion, the more boring option would be, oh, they just found a, a broom closet to do this in. Like the whole idea about a <laughs> broom you know, closet to do it in. <laughs> mm, oh my! <laughs> I'm always gonna make it weird. Always gonna make it weird. That's that's um, again RIPC people. When Whoa. Harry and Cho go look at are um, are making their way down the hall, uh, that's what they're looking for. That's what the rumor comes rumor requirement becomes. Then, um, no. So here's here's the story in the books. Um, they were going to just like sneak around, like you're saying, Zach. They were just going to you know find hidden places, maybe in common rooms, that sort of thing, to to do this sort of training. Um, but they have that meeting. You notice in the it, this is this is sort of still in the film that they have their meeting kind of off the beaten track. But what winds up happening is when they have their meeting, everybody in there who isn't a student is listening, and one of the people in there is an informant, and they bring that information to Umbridge and say this student organization is going to uh, begin, is going to happen, and then Umbridge increases the rules against it and. I think that's when the sort of the inquisitorial side of things comes in. And it, there really is like a full on crackdown on any kinds of, of clubs and, and that sort of thing. If I, I can't remember, but I think it may even affect like the Quidditch teams and stuff. Like you can't even have Quidditch um, to the Damn. point. Yeah. And so it's, it's a full on like no extracurriculars situation. And that's why they are so desperate that the room of requirements becomes a uh, a necessity but in the film it is much more i in 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 the in in the the book it's so it's better introduced it's better uh laid out the the sort of the parameters of it because in the film it is kind of just sort of happenstance that neville walks past it um so i i i I see i see where you're coming from again i sort of side a little bit more with ben on like it's just like i i love the sort of the magic of this world and and this is one of those things that just kind of I'm 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 down with it no matter how they introduce it but when you lay out your 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 criticisms of it I, I will say I I maybe you'd still have the problem but if 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 if, the, if it were better adapted the the way it was introduced in the book you you might uh, yeah. might have appreciated it more Yeah I mean I I the only the only series that I can make those kinds of book to movie comparisons with are the Walden media Chronicles of Narnia stories. Mm. And even then I'm not a fan of any of them except for line, the witch and the wardrobe. Like I, there's always some sort of discrepancy between what comes out in the book and what's produced on the screen. There's a, there's a great, um, I don't know if this is a Photoshop or what it was, but somebody sort of, they, they or maybe this person actually did it, but they took. I actually think they took or a copy of Order of the Phoenix and they cut out a DVD, like a the shape yes, of a DVD out I've, of it. I've seen that, and it's I've like seen those. Yeah, you get the core, but you miss all the details that make it yeah. extra special. 
Yeah, I mean, that's fair. We just, I barely had enough time to watch the movie, let alone read the whole book. Of you course, know what I mean? of course. No, no, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not saying like, you need to read the books or anything like that. It, it should be in the movie. I've, I've fully. I mean, there's a reason, there is a reason, even though people still complain about it, how, and, and rightfully so in some cases, especially this case, but like, there's a reason books aren't one-to-one like put into movies. Yeah. like they're different mediums books can do things that movies just couldn't. i mean i would like i would actually love to see them try to make a movie out of a book just completely take everything and that would, it would be the worst movie ever and the longest movie ever yeah but i'd love to see it happen but well, you know you get so like, much like just to shut of, people up yeah, yeah. well <laughs> one of one of the closest things to that is the first season of game of thrones like the first season really? of game of thrones is pretty I actually say maybe the first 11 episodes, the first season plus one episode of season two is more or less a a, a pretty solid adaptation of A Game of Thrones by George R. R. Martin. Uh, But that's that's 11 hours. That's 11 hours. Um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone as a as a film is a pretty faithful adaptation of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone as a book. And that's a, you know, a 200 page book adapted into a two hour two and a half hour movie or longer than a two and a half hour movie and 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 even then there's stuff that's left out and and same goes with the with the the game of thrones comparison that's a you know it's a 800 page book turned into an 11 hour movie but there's still and it's pretty faithful but there's stuff that's missing from it and it's it's like you said it's impossible it, you know just to, to, to as an experiment it would be interesting if somebody took even something short like the first one of the first Harry Potter books and tried to do Oh, I don't it. know. Maybe The Hobbit? Oh, no, wait. <sighs> <sighs> do we dare go there? <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, we are going to go there sometime this year eventually. Uh, we covered the Lord of the Rings movies. We're going to cover the Hobbit trilogy somewhere, sometime, eventually, somehow. But tonight's not that night. We're actually just going to hit the pause button for a minute here, go to a brief program identification and commercial break, and we'll see you on the flip side as our discussion of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Hey there, everybody. It's Sage from the Night Force Media Network, and I'm here to tell you about our new show, The Fandom Cantina, and why you need to tune into it. Also here to talk about it is, um, uh, oh yeah, right, it's Mondo. Wait, wait, wait. So you got like an afterthought? Let no, me tell no, you but... something, okay? You act like I don't know anything about Star Wars I, I never and the said Force that. Or, uh, or other movies. I'll have you know I was a Movie Pass subscriber, okay? And I subscribed wait, to but... A-List, and you act like I don't know anything about television. You no. know, like all those fancy shows and video games. Let me I, tell you something, I man. Say... I have beaten 50 video games this year alone, and 50? you don't think that I like making odd-numbered list countdown lists up? Oh, you are you are sadly mistaken, sir. So yeah, that's what our show's about. You can catch us 10 p.m. Eastern Wednesday nights. Mixler's Night Force Media. See you then. This is IPC.
And we're back continuing our discussion of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. We've had some initial impressions. We've talked about certain aspects of the film, but there's obviously like the go-tos that we really, really need to touch on, like certain scenes, certain elements, and certain characters. Dolores Umbridge wasn't the only new addition to the Harry Potter universe. We also had Bellatrix Lestrange, who was broken out of Azkaban prison. Yeah. And we've got a, a, a new addition to, uh, to everybody's troupe. Uh, the very mysterious Looney Luna Lovegood, yes. who <laughs> is just about the only friend that Harry really has throughout the entirety of this movie. Mm-hmm. Although, if I'm being totally honest, I'm looking at my notes like I did some handwritten notes here. If I'm being totally honest, the other title that I would have given to this movie is, uh, and I quote, Harry Potter and the many emotions of adolescence. Because <laughs> Harry's just kind of all over the place in this movie sometimes. But through it all, he did have Ron and Hermione backing him up as much as they could. And he had Luna, who had his back. I, I didn't quite get her character or the purpose of her character. I'm sure that will come to light at a future date. But... For the time being, she still intrigued me because she's bonded with him in ways that his other friends haven't or couldn't. So thoughts on Luna, thoughts on Bellatrix, maybe any final thoughts on Dolores Umbridge? I mean, we've we've got some really interesting new additions. And like you said, Ben, we're five movies in. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it really is. And they're still kind of introducing new characters. And and I liked uh I liked Luna. I like Duna, even though she's, you know, she's strange and she, you don't know what she's doing all, all, all the time. Like she's just kind of, I mean, I will say she's kind of there for most of the movie. She doesn't do a whole lot except for like the end. She kind of is the one that kind of helps them like, Hey, we need a place to, we need to, we need to know how to fly to, to London. Okay. Well, I've got these magical creatures that you can't see, but, and it's not actually addressed that they're flying them, even though they can't see, but whatever. Um, but like I do like her character, and she's just she's just strange. <laughs> she's just strange, and it's a good kind of strange. Um, and I just I, I, I like I'm looking forward to seeing like what she might do in the near future in these other films. But like just you know her kind of whole demeanor and her kind of relationship with with Harry and her Harry kind of figure her out is 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 was really fascinating. Yeah. Um- Luna Lovegood became one of my favorite characters in the series, and uh, I think the 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 actress who plays her uh, was was really sort of embodied everything I really enjoyed about the character from the books. This is one of those instances where the character that that I, I saw in my mind as I was reading the books really appeared on screen in this movie more so than just about any other character in the series and and there's a lot of instances oh, wow. yeah there's a lot there's a lot of instances i, I mean the, the harry in the books and the harry in the film is very close same with ron and hermione and dumbledore and and, and, and mcgonagall and that sort of thing but there's just something about luna lovegood that uh you know really i captured me in the books as, as kind of um you know she's kind of got a little bit of that kind of yoda thing going on not in the sense that she's old and wise but in the sense that she's kind of weird she's mm-hmm. got, but but she's got some wisdoms and some insight that harry needs in in this one and you know she's the one that kind of points out to him that you know if if that that voldemort is trying to separate him from his friends he's trying to make him feel alone and that's how harry really feels at the beginning of it i mean you know he shows up at hogwarts and you know his buddy 
Seamus is going, my mom didn't want you to come back, Potter. Um, and, 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 and all that stuff. And, and, you know, Dumbledore is kind of abandoning him and, and Luna's kind of the one that's like, no, you need to really rely on your friends. And, and that's sort of where things begin to kind of turn around for Harry in, in, in the movie or things start to work a little bit better is when it's after that conversation with her and, 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 you know, she's not the most like a uh, important character in the series, but she, um, she has a role to play and, and she, she, she does it quite well. And I, I really enjoyed the way they, uh, they, I really enjoyed what they did with her in, in, in the films in this one in particular. Yeah. And she's got like, she's got a story. She's got a past, even though this is the first time seeing her in the films, she, you know, just the fact of like, she's with these horses or these, I don't know what you'd really call them. I can't remember the name of them, but like they're, ones you if you only if you've seen death you can see them Mm -hmm. so immediately you're 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 keyed into the idea that she's seen some stuff she's been around she's been in you know she's in she can relate to harry more than even like you know hermione and ron can so you know that's that's interesting right off the bat with her as far as like her journey and like her past as far as that goes yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, uh, like I said, one of my favorites. Um, as for for Bellatrix, I, I think um, Hela, Helena, Helena Bonham Bo- Carter. That was Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. I I had this feeling. I was like, this looks like something straight out of a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. And that <laughs> was my next thought was immediately, oh, that's got to be Helena Bonham Carter. It it, it is. And and um, you know, she doesn't have the most screen time in in these movies, but she makes a it makes one hell of an impression in what she in what <laughs> little she has. Sure. And uh, um, yeah, seriously. Yeah, I, I, I again, there's there's a um, there's a little bit more to her character in, in in the books than in the films, but they do a pretty good job of translating uh, translating this character. And she was uh, she's pretty great. I, I I quite like what we got from her in, in these, and uh, what we'll see from her in in future uh, future installments. Well, I mean, the thing that I enjoyed from her the most, and just the other escapees, is that even though Voldemort doesn't have a whole whole lot of screen time, he's still at work. Yeah. It, it's this evidence that he's still, you know, uh, what it was, a, what it, he, he's got the wheels still in motion, I guess is the best metaphor I can come up with on the spot. He's, sure. he's still at work. He's still at play. Even if everybody's denying it, that just gives him more opportunity to keep working, to keep growing. And he's got uh, several people that are kind of wrapped around his little finger. And they're, uh, they're, they're trying to get a hold of, a uh, it's a, it's an orb that's got Harry's prophecy inside of it. Is that yep, correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. Again, much more in the book. Yeah, there, it, it's it. I'm sure there is. I'm sure it, it's much more greatly described. But even then, the visual components of seeing that many orbs of prophecy in one chamber. Yeah, probably one of the best visual elements of the whole movie, in my yeah. opinion. Like oh, it's definitely. something that we've never seen before. The lighting and the contrast was really fascinating, and the fact that whoever created this room and put all of these orbs in there obviously did not account for the fact that if a fight broke out, literally everything would get smashed to bits. Yeah. (laughs) Like that was, that was the only thing that was not thought out very well, but everything else was a very intricate layout design lighting. 
I really, really enjoyed that that last sequence. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's the um, I think the 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 sort of in terms of just pure visuals, I think this one has the the best climax, and it, it certainly that certainly includes the the Department uh-huh. of Mysteries, which. I just love that it's called the Department of Mysteries. It's it's like like they were sitting around one day going, "What are we going to call this?" I don't know. It's where we keep all the mysteries. Yeah, Department of Mysteries, good enough. <laughs> oh, see, I thought it would be the other way around. It's like, what are we going to call this thing? I don't know. It's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I I I might have to respectfully disagree with you because I think Voldemort's return in Goblet of Fire is a bit more climactic in my opinion. Sure, sure. But but I did enjoy it nonetheless. I did I did really enjoy it and the fact that he's got so many minions at play including uh Lucius Malfoy. Yeah. Jason Isaac. Uh-huh. Jason Isaacs. <laughs> Jason freaking Isaacs. My gosh. I had almost forgotten that he was in this franchise. I don't know how I'd forgotten that, but he was he was the he was the villain in the Patriot, and then he was the villain in this franchise, uh, more of a more of a minion, if you will. But mm. you know nobody liked him. You got <laughs> Lucius Malfoy here. You got the Inquisitor from Star Wars Rebels, yeah, and yeah. then he was uh, he was like this gray character in Captain Lorca on Star mm. Trek Discovery. Like mm. every role this guy gets, he nails. Like not gonna lie, I. I personally enjoy just about anything that has Jason Isaacs in it, but yeah, I, I'm I'm going a little too far off the rails there. So. No, I, I'm I'm with you. I think Jason Isaacs is fantastic. We we should start the Jason Isaacs podcast, <laughs> dude. That would be really cool. Like, just do movies that Jason Isaacs has appeared in and focus on like Jason Isaacs related trivia from his appearances in those movies. Hey, it's an idea. It's an idea. That would- that, that would be interesting. Yeah. That would be really interesting. Ben, what are your thoughts on this? On Jason this final, Isaacs. On Jason Isaacs, <laughs> on this final scene, on the Department of Mysteries, on... I, I mean, we we definitely have to talk about the, 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 the wand fight scene. Like, that was absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. All, all, I, all I know is I went to Pentacon one time, and I went by Jason Isaacs' booth, and I did it more than once, and he was never there, and I was really disappointed. Oh, I never ugh. even saw the guy. He was never there. Never ugh. there. Barrowman was there. He was right across the hall. He was hanging out with his Dude, fan. Dude, Barrowman is one of the best attendees. Like As far as vendors go or, or stars go, I love it when Barrowman goes. Like, I went Barrowman to— is over the other side of the table just mingling. He's yeah. just like yeah. arms around people taking selfies. No yes. like Barrowman's crazy. Okay, dude, when when he was at Fan Days in Dallas back in 2015, I'm pretty sure I, I don't think I was there for this moment, but I'm pretty sure at one point the line was stretched so far that it was out of the room that he was signing autographs in. And to thank the people who were waiting at the back of the line, he stopped doing autographs and just went crowd surfing for a few minutes. <laughs> went all the way to the back of the line just so people could like take pictures of him and with him and stuff and then had them carry him back to the front of the line so that he could resume autographs. Nice. Yeah, like, Barrowman, that, that, oh, man, I regret not standing in line just for his autograph now. Like, that's one of my biggest regrets from fan days. 
I loved getting Terry Farrell's autograph and getting to interview her for the podcast and stuff like that. But I was also in the same room as Alex Kingston, as Stephen A. Mel, as John Barrowman, um, Nichelle Nichols, and shoot, somebody else. Um, somebody from The Walking Dead. Who's um um Daryl uh what, not Daryl uh, the the silver haired lady. I don't I've never watched. I, I think it's I think it's Melissa something, but I don't I don't remember for sure. But like there were just all these stars. It was in the heyday of The Walking Dead as well. So like everybody was super psyched that a, a Walking Dead actress was was at the convention. But now that it's kind of fizzling out, it's not as big a deal. But. Uh, yeah. who was it? Melissa McBride. That's who it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Melissa McBride yeah. was there too. So man, I, I was in a pretty stacked convention hall, not going to lie, but my new bucket list is whether, whether he shows up at Alamo city or Houston or Dallas, I need to get a picture with Jeff Goldblum. Uh, he was supposed to Battle. be, he was supposed to be at fan expo this weekend, but he canceled. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Goldblum Goldblum is on my celebrity bucket list. I've got to get a picture with him, but I am going way off the rails again. Let's go back to this. <laughs> Goldblum is not in this movie, nor is Dude, he in Harry Potter that I know of. That would have made this movie a perfect 10 out of 10 for me. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. I am a I'm a little biased when it comes to Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah, when one actor just pushes you over the edge, it's got to be Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Oh, but okay, getting back to the movie. Um, the to, to actually answer your question, mm-hmm. um, I really like the finale, especially that fight. I, I, I feel like re- this is kind of the first time we've seen like a proper like duel between mm-hmm. two like really powerful people. Yeah. Um. And it was. It's amazing. Like the special effects, especially, are just outstanding. For two thousand and seven, that's not bad. Yeah, and it's just it's nice. Like you know, every time Harry gets in a fight, of course he's the underdog because he's a student still. Um. Mm-hmm. And he really, I like. I mean, it's it's so much fun to just watch Dumbledore and Voldemort yes. just go at it, and yes. uh, it's so so great. It's it's really incredible. I love um, the way I love the way Ray Fiennes plays the scene where he like blows fire out of his wand over his hand, and then. And and then uh, Michael Gambon is just like blocking it with his wand, and he shoots water back. Ah, oh, so cool, so cool. Sorry, Ben. Also, no. Also, no. also, did you notice that when he started the fight, he told him, "You shouldn't have come here, Tom." Yes, I remember. I remember reading. Yeah, that. I, I love re- that. I remember reading that in the book and getting chills, and then going and seeing it in the movie and getting chills, and then watching it last uh, last week and getting chills, and then having you say that right now and getting chills. It's like <laughs> such such a great moment. Such a great oh, moment. Just like, like Dumbledore. He, he, Dumbledore's the one guy that Voldemort always feared, and he's also the one guy who never had any fear of Voldemort. And it's just like mm. he just goes in there, and he, and he sorry, Ben, he f***s with Voldemort's mind, and it's just, <laughs> oh, you shouldn't have come here tonight, Tom. Yeah. Sorry. Love that. Love that. No, love that no. Scene. I love it. I love this scene and I love your commentary. And it's it, it's just it's it's so satisfying. And you know, you get the, there's the great I mean, not to discount like there's a great fight between like, you know, the Death Eaters and the the order people that come in and they have the whole thing and they're kicking butt, you know, after, you know, Harry and the kids get chased around and and get really hell hostage and, you know, 
by um, Malfoy is like, you know, it's so satisfying to see that happen. And then you have the tragedy of what happens with Sirius and that's pretty thing. You know, I've, I've been a fan of Sirius for, you know, for a while now. So like, you know, it's sad to see him go, but you know, you, you have, you know, Harry, you know, I, and I like kind of the, progression of that like you know you have every i think harry is possessed by by voldemort like pretty intense yeah. like crazy I, I love that scene it's sort of it it kind of plays on the 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 golem schmeagol kind of thing of of you know you have one sort of body saying two right two things and uh, i mean it's it's obviously sort of different scenario building up to it and that sort of thing but it's just sort of the 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 logistics of it is a little bit similar but I, I do love that scene where Voldemort is talking through Harry and then Harry talks back. And, you know, flashbacks can be cheesy and corny. But, again, it gives me chills and and brings a tear to my eye when Harry just thinks of all the, the love and joy that is in his life and how that makes him different from from Voldemort. And it's, 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 um, it's either Sirius or Dumbledore says, you know, it's not... It's not the ways in which you are similar, but it's how you're different that that yeah. defines you. And then you get that great line from Harry where he says to Voldemort, who is you know possessing him, he says, you are the weak one and you'll never know love or friendship. And I feel sorry for you. So I good. Love, yeah, so I, good. I love that, especially in this movie where Voldemort has worked as Luna Lovegood says has worked to drive Harry away from everyone, and yeah, in true. some small ways that that Harry, even though he has the class and all that kind of stuff, and he's been working with the Order, he's felt alone in this because he knows the truth about Voldemort, and no one except a very few people actually stand behind him and trust him. So, coming out of that experience with Voldemort, he feels very alone. And but then he comes to the end of this film and realizes that Voldemort really is the one that is alone. He has so much. And of course, at the end of this movie, everyone knows the truth. And Harry is not alone anymore. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great. Yeah, he's got he's he's got he's got friends. He's got family. He's got a horde of supporters. He's got people that, that back him. And even by the end of the movie, the the ministry finally believes him yeah, yeah I, you know? I love the guy just walks in and goes oh he's back, he's back. <laughs> well no crap dude yeah that's um not the greatest moment in the franchise <laughs> <laughs> but it's also it it's the one it's the one place i think where these films get into the it's so bad it's good is that moment where Fudge is like, he's back, because it's so stupid. It's so like, it's like it, you were talking earlier, Zach, about about writing and 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 storytelling. It's so painfully like ham fisted, but it's just like it's also, and and it kind of you know it's 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 funny and and that's not really what you need in coming off of that scene that was so powerful with Harry and Voldemort that we were just talking about. But it's at the same time, every time he says it it kind of brings a little smile to my face because it's so it's so ridiculous the, yeah. to, to me it was rather on par with right after captain jack sparrow steals the the um the dreadnought right out from under everyone's nose yeah. and the lieutenant is standing next to admiral norrington and he says 
that's got to be one of the best pirates I've ever seen. <laughs> because it's so cheesy and it's so cliche, especially after Norrington was just making fun of him, saying, you are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever seen. Yeah. Or, or ever heard of. And then all of a sudden he just turns right around and does that. So, <clears throat> like, it was kind of on par for that. But at the same time, it was rather satisfying in a movie kind of way. You're like, okay, you're openly admitting that you were wrong. Yeah. I, I will, I will accept that. Yeah. <laughs> as, as yeah. frustrating as that was to watch, I will, I will take it. Mm. Okay. But, um, I, uh, here, here's, here's the thing guys. I, I have tried very, very hard to not judge a movie by its start or its finish, but comprehensively. And while I really, really enjoyed what we had at the at the very end there, there were just a lot of things that that kind of built up, like I said at the top of the show, or 45, 50 minutes into the show, however you want to look at it. <laughs> so there, there were some things that happened over the course of it that just felt like there were some discrepancies. I mean, the the, the room of convenience, as I like to call it, is one of them. Um Let's let's also you know think for a second about the fact that um, who was it? It was um, what are they called? The the creatures that look invisible to everybody but Harry and Luna. Thestrals. Thestrals. Yeah, something something like that. Thestrals. Yeah. Unless unless the entire company has seen death, they're just riding on invisibleness. Yeah. Like the only the only two people who can see the Thastrals in that whole company are Harry and Luna, and then they're like, "Oh, we've got a way to fly." How? Oh, look at me, Mom! I'm flying. I don't even know what I'm on, but I'm floating. <laughs> Yay me! <laughs> um, and then also, uh, this is this is kind of going back to a similar complaint that I had with uh, Goblet of Fire. The Goblet of Fire isn't really the star of the Goblet of Fire, like the actual goblet isn't as big a playmaker as some of the other things are ditto with the order of the phoenix we see them at the beginning of the movie and we see them conveniently show up at the end of the movie just in time to fight everybody but in the meantime they're kind of working behind the scenes and not a whole lot is going on and the stuff that harry is doing is in the name of quote-unquote dumbledore's army and not the order of the phoenix so i excuse me oh uh see i'm just allergic to bullshit I mean, <clears throat> it's it's just it's just those things where like one compounds on top of another, and the fact that I just absolutely hate Dolores Umbridge's guts and can't wait for her to to meet her demise. Um, th there were just a lot of things that I wasn't as crazy about in this movie as I've been about other installments. So. Um, that's my final thoughts. What are you guys' final thoughts before we kind of wrap up this discussion? Uh, like I said off the top, this one is my sort of sentimental favorite, but it, it mm -hmm. is also it is also my favorite. I think just in general, um, it, at least on the on the sort of the 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 story side of it. And and again, I'm sort of even though we're discussing the movie specifically, I can't separate the movie entirely from the book when I no, I wouldn't, of, and I wouldn't ask when, you when I give my, my overall ranking like this. So I, 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 it, when I think about the book, 
especially it really was uh it really is a favorite of mine i like the sort of harry versus the world kind of feeling to it i i i love i love the the dumbledore's army stuff i thought that was really cool and really fun um and and uh i like that you know this is where the series really shows that it's it's grown up and not just not just in the in the themes and the way it's 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 maturing but uh, the characters are maturing but like this is a, an instance where you know, Harry and the grown-ups are fighting alongside together. It's not, you know, the, the grown-ups do kind of come and rescue them, but it's, it, it's, it's in sort of a, a little bit more of a, a, it feels a little more equal than in the past where it felt like the adults saving the kids. Here it felt a little bit more like, here's just sort of the cavalry in general to, to, to help you out. Here's your backup. And, and I thought that was really fun. I love the final showdown uh, I love the, the 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 duels with the Death Eaters and the Order of the Phoenix. I love the the showdown between Voldemort and Dumbledore, uh, and then the sort of the internal showdown, I guess, between Harry and 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 Voldemort. The the Harry serious relationship I thought was really well done. The 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 Harry Cho relationship was so wonderfully awkward, um, with Ginny just hanging around there in the background, <laughs> um, and uh, it's a. Uh, it, I, it's it's a real favorite for me. I I just I like I said it's really that Harry versus the world feeling that I really I really enjoy and and look it the the this is the series took a very dark turn at the end of of uh, of Goblet of Fire. It gets darker in this one, and I, I'll I'll just say this: it's going to keep getting darker before it gets brighter. Um, it's it this this when you guys get to the next two. Two, 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 three films. There's, there's a lot more darkness to come. It, this, this isn't. Uh, this is still. If Goblet of Fire is the tip of the iceberg, this is still the, the first half of the iceberg in terms of darkness. This is a really, this is a bizarre metaphor. <laughs> there's, there's. It's a, not the tip. It's more like. Oh, I can't really go there. This is an R.I.P.C. Yeah. No, no, bad Jack, bad. Get my squirt gun. No. <laughs> No, sit, stay. <laughs> Just not gonna touch any of that. There's already gonna be so many bleeps in this episode. People are gonna <laughs> cover their ears, and then on top of that, you gotta do the oh god. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's my it's my personal favorite. It's uh, it, and it's also uh, it's my personal favorite. I'm gonna leave it at that. That's uh, that's uh, that's what I got. Okay. okay. I guess is it, is it is it my turn? Yes, sir. You are up. All right. So, final thoughts for me. I really, really enjoyed this one. I really did. And it's I don't know where it ranks. I don't think it's my favorite, but I don't know what my favorite Harry Potter movie is so far. So, who knows? But I did really like this movie. Felt more. It felt like a continuation of the story. It felt like this. I felt like this universe was growing on me, but at the same time it was doing different things and showing me new things and doing, you know, kind of, it felt different. And I feel like, you know, getting, you know, four or five movies into this franchise, if the story's not moving forward, it could start to become stale, but it's not, Mm. it hasn't before. And I feel like this one did enough to go, okay, things are changing. Things are heading towards an endpoint. Even if I watched this, in a vacuum 
where I hadn't seen clips from other movies or knew where this is going or knew the titles in the next movies and knew where this is going, you know, you can still like, I mean, it's explicitly said in this movie that, you know, Voldemort and Harry, they're connected. One of them has to kill the other at some point. Like this is heading, going to all to a head and it's going towards the ultimate war that's coming that they keep talking about and this rebellion that's, that's developing here. So, you know, getting that, it's intriguing. It reels you in. It's like, okay, this is buckle down. It's about to get real. This isn't your, you know, normal kids movie anymore. This is an actual stuff's happening. People are dying. You know, this is where it's all going to come down to. And I'm really, I'm stoked for the future, but I really, really enjoyed this one. And I like where it went to and like the places that it put the characters and what it did with the characters and going through the different themes and kind of reopening certain things that I hadn't really thought about in this universe. So as far as a planet score, are we, are we going planet score yet? Um, I have, I have one last thing that I want to touch on before we close it out. When we do, when we, when we do an older movie like this, like one that's not within the last couple of years, I like for nostalgia's sake to just go back and take a look at how it did financially uh in retrospect. Right. So um, opening, let me see if I can find the opening weekend for this movie. Uh, Order of the Phoenix opened with a $77 million weekend, which sounds really great. But uh, there was another movie that had an opening of $151 million in its uh, first weekend in 2007. So... It actually finished in the top five at number five for highest grossing of the entire year. But only number five. It finished with uh, 292 million, almost 292 million even. Uh, fourth place was Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Third place was the original Transformers. Ugh. Yeah, oh, you're, you're going to groan a couple more times, Dom. Uh, second place... With a whopping 322, almost 323 million dollar 2007, Shrek the Third. Oh no! And clocking in, told me this list was total bullshit. I can't believe we're all this dumb. (laughs) (sighs) Sorry, Ben. You're gonna have a lot of bleeps to put in this episode. I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just marking them down and keep on going. <laughs> if you don't want epi- if you want episodes that don't get bleeped out, I strongly suggest going over to RIPC. We've got two episodes up now, and apparently we've got the ideas for about two dozen more, thanks to this one episode alone. <laughs> Number one movie of 2007, highest grossing at 336 million dollars for the year, 151 million on its opening weekend. Spider-Man 3. Oh, wow. And uh, coming in immediately after Order of Phoenix, this is just one of my personal favorite post-apocalyptic movies, number six movie of 2007, Will Smith's I Am Legend. Okay. Mm. See, like, I'm looking at, like, the next five movies on this list, Uh and I feel like I'd be more okay with losing to them. Like, I Am Legend, Born Ultimatum, 
three hundred. Alvin and the Chipmunks, not so much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Even, even... I'm kind of okay. Here, this whole list actually kind of surprises me because a Pixar movie didn't even crack the top ten. Ratatouille came in at number eleven, and then what's his name? Tim Allen's Wild Hogs was the number thirteen movie of two thousand and seven. And wow, Juno and... was only number fifteen, and Juno has become like a pop culture classic now. Yeah. Live Free or Die Hard, a Die Hard installment, was number 17. But let's be real. By the after like the second or third Die Hard, does anybody really like? No. You know, no. I, 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 I don't I, know. Really, I after, was... after the first Die Hard, <laughs> do we really? I care? mean, I, I guess I thought it was more popular than it than it was going to turn well, out to be. And well, that, then... <laughs> that, that first that first Die Hard is iconic and mm-hmm. is truly one of the great action movies of all time. But I feel like the sequels don't have that same cachet. Nah, I mean, it's for... one of those franchises that really was never meant to be a franchise. Well, yeah, and when you hear people reference it, it's almost always in reference to that first movie. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. How about the B movie clocking in at number 21? Ugh, and uh, just... <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld, the B movie? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, my so... God. The one that has turned into so many memes. Like, I think one of my favorite memes of all time comes from the B-movie where the leading lady is holding Barry in her hand and somebody takes, like, a Photoshop of the word beauty, like a caption box, and sticks it in her eye. And then you just have to look at it until you realize that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Oh, oh. <laughs> God. Uh. I'm like, uh, I'm like, just cringe is strong just, with this one. Uh, number twenty, get and, that and somehow back. get that get that picture of Zach back. That's that's it. Some, that's my favorite. And somehow that beat number twenty-two, which is, I would argue, one of the one of the best comedies in the last, I guess, not the last decade, but the last fifteen years. Super bad. How does uh, Super Bad's like actually? Uh, never mind. Never mind. So yeah, Shrek the Third is Shrek the number two oh, movie number, of two thousand seven. Number thir- and Super Bad is number twenty two. Number thirty on this list. Number thirty on this list is Norbit, which is an Eddie Murphy movie, and that is the first. <laughs> that is the first time I remember paying for a movie and regretting it. <laughs> Let me see. What else do we have in this? Uh, we've got. Jeez. Saw four oh, surfs up. Yeah, the Halloween reboot. Are we TN- done? Are we done yet? At number fifty-two, <laughs> classic Ice Cube movie. Oh my god! Oh jeez, two thousand seven. Alien versus Predator Requiem only made forty-one million dollars that Oof. year. It didn't. It didn't even make as much money as Balls of Fury. <laughs> oh my god. 20... Mr. McGorham's Wonder Emporium was in 2007. 28, like this is such a, it's, it's, I, I'm sure you could do this with every, every year where you go through the list. There's like some like really like good iconic movies like, uh, like Juno or Superbad or um, mm-hmm. 28, 20, oh no wait, that's 28 weeks later. I was thinking 28 days later. Never mind. Um, yeah. uh, but there are some, there's some, there's some movies on this list. I'm like, these are classic icon or modern classics and then there's other ones where we're just like god 
What were we thinking it, in 2007? Making Shrek the third, <laughs> the second highest grossing movie. This is also the, the same same year with Evan Almighty. <laughs> oh, wow. It was the Steve Carell one, which was, uh, oh, God. Uh, let's not okay. go there. Let, let's, go, let's go all the way back to the number five, which is the one that we were talking about originally. Mm. Order of the Phoenix. Time for our planet scores. Dominic, you're the guest of the program. I'm going to hand it off to you. Um, all right. Uh, give the, the book a 9.5 and the film an 8.5. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. A little little deduction there because uh, it wasn't as true to the book as it could have been. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, ben, how about you? I'm going to give it a solid 8.0. And 8.0 is actually what I'm giving it as well. Uh, compare, for comparison's sake, I gave an 8 to Philosopher's Stone, a 7.5 to Chamber of Secrets, a 7 to Azkaban, an 8.5 to Goblet of Fire. Um, I'm pretty sure I liked it more than Azkaban and Secrets, but not more than Goblet of Fire, so I think 8's a happy medium there. Do you have, do you have my old scores there by any chance? Oh, jeez. Oh, that's a good question. Not offhand. Not offhand. All right. I, I, I wrote I wrote mine at like the top of the show, just like going back and looking through all of them again. So uh, uh, I've got all the notes up yeah. there. For, ben, for, why for, don't you for... give a quick uh, thank you to our patrons while I grab a quick look at our previous scores? Absolutely. So we want to thank our very valued patrons who uh, help keep the show going, help keep the lights on. And uh, give a shout out to these guys who make it, and guys and girls, I should say. Don't want to mm, be, don't want to be Yeah, yep. um, We've got a wide variety of people. We've got Joey Mays. We got Katie Horn. We got Mr. Jake Damon. We got Miss Rachel Perry, and we got the legendary Mr. Daniel George of AKA Dan Grievous backing us up on pod bean on the patron side of pod bean and you can actually if you'd like to become a patron just go to ipcpodcast.podbean.com look for the little become a patron symbol click on that and you'll get right through to it or just go directly to patron.podbean.com slash ipc podcast we've got a ton of different stuff going on over there as we keep mentioning RIPC is our new thing that we're doing. We just oh. released a new episode. Oh, I almost forgot. I yeah. almost forgot before before we slip out of that. Um, I just saw through a through a email that my buddy Parker just signed up as well. So he is nice. one of our newest patrons. Welcome, nice. welcome, Parker. welcome, Parker. I think he did Thanks it just so he buddy. could go and listen to RIPC. To be completely honest, <laughs> that was, I don't care what his excuse is. I'm just glad he's here. Um, we're, we're very glad to have him. We're very glad yeah. to have everybody that's part of this. Let me see. I've got f the first couple of notes on there. Why don't you also tell them where they can find us while I come up with these final numbers? Yeah, well, I'll go over the, 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 the uh, the plugs, if you yeah. will. Of yeah. course, you, as I mentioned, ipcpodcast.podbean.com is our host site. It's where you can find all our episodes um, and as of right now, you can only find a certain amount of episodes that are actually free to the World Wide Web. The rest of them, 
you gotta sign up. You gotta sign up. Only you know, give us a buck or two. It's you it's it's a buck entire... a month to have access to our whole library. Like, come there on. There you go. You like I said, you can find that in your couch. There's probably that much in your back pocket. Like you can easily find a dollar somewhere and throw it at our face, and we'll give you some stuff for it. So find that there. Um, you can find us. At uh, at IPC Podcast on Twitter, you can find us at the same address on Facebook, and uh, of course, drop us a line, give us a tweet. We're, we love our transmissions, and if you've got some suggestions for the show, as you've noticed, we've been doing, we've been trying to consistently do news off the top of the show um, every episode. So, and we're always looking like, like for this week, I sat down, I'm like I am always like. I know what's going on until I do the show notes, and I'm like, what's the news happening this week? I don't know what's going on. If you guys want us to actually talk about something and you have a comment on it, just tweet at us, and we'll definitely put in the show notes, and we'll read your comment. And that should be a lot, a lot of fun. And I think that's about it for the plugs. But, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely check us out. Also, on uh, you should definitely follow at... Zach underscore DFW on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow myself at Ben Hart with no E on Twitter and all over the place. I mean, you don't have to. It's 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 kind of arduous sometimes, but if you want to hear what's coming out of my head, whatever. How are um, you so nonchalant about it and yet you still have more followers than me? You're like, you can you you should follow me or not. I don't care. And then I'm like, follow me, follow me. I'm freaking hilarious. Follow me. And I've only I got like I don't understand. Followers. I don't understand either. Like yeah, I don't even. You you passed someday. You passed me in followers recently, Ben. Too. I was I was leading the uh, SWU uh, crew for a while, and you you've stolen that uh, that title from me. So congratulations. If you do want to if you do want to keep up with Mr. Jones and his exploits through Fan Expo Canada and life in general, it's uh, Dominic J twenty five. Am I correct? Correct. I need twenty nine followers to to catch Ben. So. <laughs> Joey, he deserves it more than me. Help 29 me of you go find him. Yeah. Uh, speaking of numbers, I do have the numbers finally in. So uh, Dom, you gave a 10 out of 10 to uh, Philosopher's Stone. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> a uh, 7.5 to Chamber of Secrets. Man, I was feeling harsh. An 8 to Prisoner of Azkaban. Fair enough. And a 9.5 to Goblet of Fire. Really? Ben, you gave a 9 to Philosopher's Stone, an 8.5 to Chamber of Secrets, a 7 to Prisoner of Azkaban, and an 8.5 to Goblet of Fire. Sounds so, about right. We've never had a score go below 7, and it's gotten as high as 10, so... This franchise is literally all over the place, folks. That was, yeah, that was, a, I think that 10 was sort of like a 10 for the whole franchise. Might have been. I mean, don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed Philosopher's Stone as me well. Too. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a solid, it's a very solid movie. I, mm -hmm. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but we're not talking about that tonight. We've actually got one more thing we need to talk about from the movie, and that's our quote of the night. We had some pretty heavy discussions on which one we should use because there are a, quite a few quotable elements from this movie, I will grant. But we didn't want to do the cliches like like Voldemort or Dumbledore. Like We've used them a lot when we're discussing IPC. So we actually we did find something that was a little bit off the beaten trail, didn't we, Ben? 
We did indeed. And this is a great scene, one of my favorites, um, from kind of the middle part of the movie where we have uh, a nice moment with Sirius Black and Harry Potter, which, I mean, let's face it, we haven't had that many scenes with these two characters over the course of these films. Um, and, and we're not going to have many after it either. No, we're not going to have any as far as, <laughs> as, as at least as it seems right now. So, you know, I think it's a great little scene, you know, getting some more backstory on Sirius. And it's in the the, the, the family tree room, I guess. And, uh, you know, just getting some more time with those guys is uh, really, really great. So, well, without further ado, why don't we just go ahead and take a listen to tonight's Quote of the Night. This is my parents' house. I offered it to Dumbledore as headquarters for the order. About the only useful thing I've been able to do. This is the Black family tree. My deranged cousin. I hated the lot of them. My parents with their pure blood mania. My mother did that after I ran away. Charming woman. I was 16. Where did you go? Your dad's. I was always welcome at the Potters. I see him so much in you, Harry. You are so very much alike. I'm not so sure. Serious. when I was... When I saw Mr. Weasley attacked, I wasn't just watching. I was the snake. And afterwards, in Dumbledore's office, there was a moment when I... I wanted to... This connection between me and Voldemort. What if the reason for it is that I am becoming more like him. I, I just feel so angry all the time. And what if after everything that I've been through, something's gone wrong inside me? What if I'm becoming bad? I want you to listen to me very carefully, Harry. You're not a bad person. You're a very good person who bad things have happened to you. You understand? Besides, the, the world isn't split into good people and death eaters. We've all got both light and dark inside of us. What matters is the part we choose to act on. That's who we really are. Man. What a quote. Jeez. Yeah. It's a wise it's not, man, that serious Black. Uh, and a great actor, that Gary Oldman. Oh, yes. Jeez Louise. I mean, I'm going to miss him, honestly. Like, yeah, if there's, seriously. If, there, if, there's, if there's no way to bring him back, I know we're watching it like episode by episode, so we can't really discuss spoilers from future movies because we haven't seen the movies yet, which is part of the fun. Uh, ben and I get to see them for the very first time, give our very first impressions of him. But for now... And perhaps permanently, we say farewell to uh, to Sirius Black. But who knows what could happen in the Harry Potter universe? I'm not gonna try and speculate too much. I'm just enjoying the ride, 
And uh, speaking of ride, I think it's time to ride right into our final segment of the evening. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening live, start putting that hashtag in the chat. If you are listening through iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, or whatever else you may use as a medium for listening to your favorite podcasts, then put them on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and everything else in between. Because it is time. One more time. I would say the 204th time, but I don't know if that's accurate. <laughs> but once more, it's time for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Okay, so we started this episode talking about Game of Thrones, and strictly speaking, Barbecue Watch does not have to adhere to the movie that we talked about. No. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have to he adhere to anything. I'm pretty right. sure we've discussed almost everything you can possibly think of during this segment. So there are you, no you guys. You guys remember Intergalactic Peace Jelly? Oh, my How God. How could we forget? Oh, my God. The fact that we almost had them on our show, like... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yes. Please, no one contact Intergalactic Peace Jelly. Please, don't <laughs> If you do that. are not on staff of the IPC podcast, you are not allowed to invite guests onto our program. I'm just saying that legally right now. And since Ben and I are the only two staff members on this podcast and we are in regular communication, I can assure you that we should not be scheduling anybody new for the time being. Period. Okay. Just reasserting, just reasserting that. But, uh, Dom, do you remember um, Season 7, Ed Sheeran's guest appearance oh, on yeah. Game of Thrones? Dude, I, I had a little bit of a nerd moment there, because I'm actually kind of getting back into his music a little bit. Um, I don't know what it was about it before that I really wasn't into, but I'm, I'm listening to it a little bit more now, and I enjoyed hearing his folk song that he was working on. And then when his company invites Arya to, uh, to come and, and sit with them by the fire for a bit, they offer up some of their rabbit, I believe it is. Yeah. I believe, I believe it was a rabbit they hunted. So I'm going to bring everything full circle. We started the show talking about Game of Thrones. We'll finish it talking about something Game of Thrones related. Barbecued rabbit. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I've never eaten rabbit to begin with, so I have no thoughts. I'll, I'll, my my only exposure is uh, Samwise Ganji. That's 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 it. Boil him, put him in a stew, whatever. Yeah, that's true. I that's, can't. That's true. my only uh, yeah. a brace of a brace of I think he called it. <laughs> A brace of conies. Maybe we have talked about barbecue rabbit on this show before during our Lord of the Rings discussion. I'm I sure don't know. we touched on it. Not maybe it's in this been, capacity. It's been episodes, man. It's been like at least two dozen episodes since we've talked about the Lord of the Rings. So I would be honored if someone tweeted that and was like, no, 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 no. 
episode on episode 189 you discussed this and you discussed it again on episode 204 that is unacceptable i'm like hey somebody's listening this is great yeah that would be really cool actually like if somebody's willing to go back and listen to the barbecue segments of all of our previous episodes like literally everything that you can find on it i will go and buy you like a 20 dollar barbecue gift card and send you the redemption code like (laughs) not even lying if somebody's going to be that hardcore about listening to our barbecue watch segment you should be freaking rewarded is that a thing or or barbecue can you get a barbecue card just a redeemable at any barbecue no not at at any barbecue place but you could get something that's pretty standard like like uh what is it texas roadhouse or spring creek barbecue or something like that whatever's local Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe maybe send them a, a gift code from there or something like that. So if somebody's actually willing to do that and is actually willing to submit all of that to us, then we'll work it out. But you've got 200 plus episodes to work with. So good luck. But <laughs> the way that they presented it in the show actually looked kind of good. Like, I know it didn't have any seasoning to it or any sauce to it. It was just slow cooked over a fire. But. You know, it was soft and tender enough that when she when she put her hand to it, she was able to pull off like some shredded meat. And, you know, the the side of it actually looked pretty tender. Uh, You could probably get some interesting uh, leg meat because they hop around so much. I bet there's like some strong muscle up in there. Uh, I'd be I'd be curious to try it because in some cultures, I think it's called Hassenpfeffer. Like if Hmm. it's prepared Mm -hmm. the right way, rabbit can actually be considered a delicacy. I, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it can. I, I just think that's a, a te- what you're describing there is a testament to the the prop makers on Game of Thrones that they they oh, can make yeah. anything look delicious. And there's actually to tie it all in with Harry Potter. There was a great behind the scenes feature I remember watching on one of the old on one of the for one of the films. I haven't seen this in quite some time, but they uh, they talk. They had um, it was I think it was Rupert Grint. He said if he could work in other any other department on the films. He would want to work in props so that he could make like a fake chicken leg and just put it on a table and watch people salivate over it and then not be able to eat it. <laughs> oh, man. That, mm, yeah, those feast scenes look pretty amazing, but only if you can actually partake of the feast. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably only certain elements that you're allowed to actually bite into, and even maybe, then, it's probably not super tasty. Maybe that is something we need to explore on this segment is like fake barbecue. Uh, you like. mean vegan barbecue? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I've <laughs> already done that. I thought, I thought, yeah. it, I thought you were doing like a fake news thing. It was just barbecue you didn't like. You're like, this is fake barbecue. <laughs> well, we've this got some ideas worthy. for. We've got some other things, other possibilities for future episodes. Now, I mean, come on. When you get 204 episodes into a podcast and you use the same segment over and over, eventually the well might end up going a little dry. But I, so far, we're doing okay. I would be, I'd be willing to try Barbecued Rabbit as long as maybe, Ben, as long as your family used the slow cooker that you've got outside and like we used your family's signature sauce. That's the only way I'd really be willing to try Barbecued Rabbit. Yeah, that's one thing I don't think he, my dad has ever smoked is Rabbit. Um, he's done fish. He's done, of course, the, you know, pig, you know, cow, stuff like that, pork, beef. Um, and, yeah. And, but never thing. I, I think, <laughs> what'd you say? 
You had no idea what I just said. I didn't. I you, you were just cut very out. casual about it. You were very casual about it. You were like, yeah, and then you just kept on going. I implied. <laughs> you said that there's a lot of things that your dad has smoked, so you were listing off all those meats, and then I said weed. <laughs> you were like, how dare yep. you? How dare you? There's, I would have said a... yep anyway, even if I did hear you. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what my dad did in the 70s. I can't. <laughs> can't speak to what was going on there's a a story there's a story from star wars celebration uh we were all hanging out at the star wars underworld booth at the end of celebration orlando and uh your dad was there ben he was just chilling with with everybody and jason ward walks up and he makes a joke like oh we're gonna get some hookers and blow now (laughs) (laughs) oh dear and your dad just like turned and walked in the opposite direction. Oh no! And oh, Jason no. looks at me and goes, "Is that Ben's dad?" I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, "Oops! Oh, oh man, I may have just caused some damage." Um, and Jason's a father himself, so he knows. He Uh-oh. knows. Um, I can't. It, what, I, 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 that wasn't exactly what he said, but it was something along those lines along yeah. that area but yeah it's always fun to end things on an anecdote and hopefully you can have a come up come up with a few more uh through your exploits at fan expo canada a reminder y'all go follow him at dominic j25 to see just what kind of fun that he's having over there but uh dom thank you for taking the time to have some fun with us tonight i hope you enjoyed it and hopefully we'll have you back on in the not too distant future oh yeah absolutely i always love uh, coming on with you guys especially to talk harry potter but i'd be happy to come on and talk anything with uh with you guys it was loads and loads of fun and yeah can't wait to to do it all again for for uh half-blood prince it's gonna be fun and Mm half-blood prince is right around the corner we're uh, doing we're doing these in in doubles. You know, we did uh, what was it? We did Philosopher's Stone and Chamber of Secrets back to back. We did Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire back to back. Now we're doing Order of the Phoenix and Half Blood Prince back to back. So, episode two hundred five is going to officially be a continuation of our Harry Potter series. And Dom has expressed interest in joining us on an episode of RIPC. Yeah. So we'll be having multiple incursions with mr jones in the not too distant future and we're looking forward to all of those and we're looking forward to having you on other adventures with us here on the ipc podcast and on ripc but for now i think it's time to put this particular episode to bed i'm calling it episode 204 is now officially in the books for ben hart and dominic jones i'm zach arnold thank you for tuning in with us we hope that you'll tune in again with us next time But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this thought. Those who enforce the law must obey the law. We hope to see you all next time on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone.